Welcome, 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 everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Long Gang Kitties. My name is John Wang, your most handsome, budgeted man ever on the face of the planet. I am a very organized person. Mm. I plan out my days, mm. my hours, my years mm. way in advance of everybody else. Okay, I have a fully loaded budget, and even for the Long Gang Kitties. Okay, even this, even this like crackpot operation, this ghetto setup. This piece of shit. This piece podcast. of shit. <laughs> also has a budget, right? Yeah, our so budget am, is low. It's low, okay, but a budget nonetheless. And then we have uh, Angie. Our snack budget is $2 per episode. Then we have Angie and Jerry. Jerry behind the huge I think our snack budget is more than a mic budget. That's true. I think we spend more on food, actually, than yeah. we spend on the actual They should have been stuff. an ASMR channel, man. Yeah, man. No, I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I want. Can we just like pivot to being like, snack review channel i mean we've been like floating this idea for a while now but you know like the i'm so poor right now that i can only buy the one dollar fair price potato chips instead of my usual kettle chips because of the Come fucking inflation are you receiving are you receiving the cdc vouchers are you receiving ads, ad money again why do <laughs> why do all my long gang kiddies hosts just go Chill. behind the back shilling products for free <laughs> But oh, I mean only. Can you see, I'm waiting for your fucking sponsorship, oh, man. I thought sponsorship. Ayataka, come on! I spent so much money on you. <laughs> no, this is not. This is not the people. Y'all got cases of the shit for free, okay? Y'all got to split that moolah, okay? Y'all got to split the dough with with the rest of the kiwis, alright? You fucking. Hey, but come on, like, what can we do if we don't shield? Like, our core inflation just rose to five point five percent, okay? The fastest in fourteen years. Hmm. So what, what what are we to do, broskies? What are we what are we to do? First of all, this inflation are uh, almost entirely brought about by COVID measures. Okay, you 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 cut off the lifeline of the economy. You say everybody goes stay at home. Nobody gets to work. But everybody gets money. But everybody gets money. Businesses are still spending. Everybody's still spending money like it's free money. Mm. Then what what did we expect is going to happen? Like, did you think there was going to be no consequences to this? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Like, what, what consequences? <laughs> Con- conspiracy, conspiracy. PAP started COVID to inflate GST. Yeah, I think so. Pofma. Pofma, kind of Pofma. Eh? Okay. I said conspiracy theory already. You, you can't just throw, say, you can't just say, oh, it's just a conspiracy. Then I can just say whatever wild fucking shit I want. It's not a fact, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, here's a conspiracy. I think I think Jerry is like diddling animals on the side. This is just a conspiracy, bro. I'm not like slandering you on me. <laughs> Swimming for defamation right now. It's just a conspiracy, bro. All right. Okay, so... Today we'll be talking about budget 2023. Mm-hmm. It was our Valentine's Day gift from the uh, PAP government. DDM. Thanks. We love the PAP. We love the PAP. We love the PAP. Okay. If there's yep. if any if there was any doubt about that, cast it aside right now. Okay. We love the PAP so much that we're gonna sit down here and we're gonna like shower them with love and admiration. All right. Compliments to the chef. Chef's kiss. Yeah, chef's kiss. Okay. So we're talking about budget 2023. Now, I know none of y'all read the notes. If Dan Wong was here, he would have read it even less. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I read it, okay? I read it the moment I stepped into, <laughs> yeah, like, into like, like the 10 minutes studio. Ago. Okay, fantastic. And then yeah. uh, Jerry obviously did not read it. Taking his head. Okay. But initially, just right off the bat, from what you, from what you heard, from what you understand, 
uh, some initial thoughts, maybe Angie, since you're the more well-prepared one. Initial thoughts. I think it's a mixed bag. I, I think some of the measures, instead of uh, relieving these inflation inflation pains, might actually exacerbate it. And then I think some, some of the measures are pretty good. Like what I do really like about it, some of the extra things given to parents, I think that will make parenting a a little bit easier. I wouldn't say a lot easier. I'm not sure if that will incentivize anybody to have a kid if they didn't want to before that. Wait, Angie, you you said something really based and red pill the other night on the Long Longgang Discord. What did I say? I, I don't have the exact quote right now, but it's something along the lines of if I'm in charge of Singapore and I want women to start giving birth, I'll take away all their passports and they can't go to school or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something because, okay, so, okay, hey, go give context, okay? <laughs> Bloody fucking hell. No, it's based. Taliban. This this is what we need, okay? This is what we need in Singapore right no, now. Jeez, Taliban. So, so I was talking to like some of the people in the Discord channel and we were talking, I can't remember what the heck we are talking about, but I linked to my musings on like what's happening in Afghanistan right now. So for example, um, you know, the Taliban banned girls from going to school. They can't go to university. They, they cannot go get like their health checkups from a male doctor, so on and so forth. So basically, they're all just stuck at home, lah, right? And they, they just have no purpose in life except for being a wife and a mother and, and a birthing machine, like essentially. And so... Base. No, so so <laughs> my I wonder because with, with like the progress of nations, right? What you usually see is that as education and, you know, as women join the workforce, when they have economic and financial independence, they have educational freedom, birth rates usually go down and they go like way down and there's no like reversing this trend. But in Afghanistan, right? And whereas like in countries where, you know, women are still don't have like very full economic liberation, right? Like you see birth rates are still relatively high, like six six or seven kids per woman kind of thing. So I was wondering in my head if we will see a reversal of the downward trend for Afghanistan because during, okay, let me just pull out the stats because I do remember. I think you were saying some, I, I, I remember you, you posted in the Discord and it's something like it went down to 4.5 children per woman. 4.75, yeah. So yeah. from the start, like it, Basically started on a decline during the two thousands lah. Two thousand to the American invasion. Yeah, do, around the American invasion, and then somebody in the chat, I think it was Baba, who said that like you can't say that it's due to like you know uh, women going to school and la 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 because there was a war going on. But the thing is, like there were wars going on in Afghanistan for the longest time as well. So and usually in in times of war, right, birth rates don't go down because. People want to replace the kids that die, you know? Like, if you have 10 kids, if 5 die, at least you got 5 left, you know? The turning soldier. Yeah, yeah it's like the boomer, hypothesis. It's the boomer generation kind of thing. La. So, like, you generally have, like, a spike in birth. La. So, I was wondering, right, let's say, because these women had all these rights taken away from them after knowing the taste of, like, you know, education and, and economic independence... Like, will the trend reverse? Like, will the women go back to being birthing machines? Or will they be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going on a birth strike. Which is what a lot of women around the world have done. It'll definitely be interesting to see if the trend reverses and like in how long a time. If this is a perfect 
encapsulation of human experimentation, right? Like yeah, we, yeah, want, I know. we want a... to see like, okay, here's 20 years of freedom and then we've, yeah. see, we've seen a significant decrease and then what happens once that is uh, taken is away? I mean, it, we in the I think in the history of humankind, we've never experienced this like taking away completely uh, of of all these things for women. So like, it would be interesting to see if the uh, birth rate continues to go low because these women already have the knowledge of how to do like birth control and all that kind of stuff, or be, but maybe no access to abortion. Uh, or will it just go back to normal? I think the like security pre- situation in Afghanistan is actually the Taliban took over. Yes, the Americans left, you know, the ANA just disappeared overnight. But they're technically still kind of at war because now the Taliban took over. Then they realized that, hey, we've got all these little, little shits that we need to take care of. There's still a lot of fighting, actually. We, we just don't hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying that, like, I would say that in general, fighting or wars don't change the yeah, it's a, birth it's a, rate. It's like, a macro situation much. versus a micro situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, think the, I think the biggest change in Afghanistan, like coinciding with fall in their for TFR, is basically the education of women and them being able to go find jobs and have money on their own and so on and so forth. Okay, Jerry Boy, mm. initial thoughts on the budget, if you have any. If you have any. Mm, I know, I know for a fact you do. Well, some are good, some are bad. The only thing that I find quite irritating is the housing side of things. And there... I I have a big problem with the housing grants. Wait, hang on. Aren't they increasing the amount of housing grants? I I I have a huge problem with the housing grants. I don't think the increase of grant is solving the problem of runaway pricing. You know, and like, like every... Ever since we, we spoke about, hey, why don't you just sell the fucking flat back to HDB at whatever price, right? And then HDB can re, resupply it back, recycle it back to the supply and you know, redistribute it to people who need it. Seems like no one is coming up with that idea because everyone is trying to protect the valuation of no, the house. No, like the funniest know? part is that like the MPs will never, oh, they ever, never, yeah. never, ever they, like admit, right? They will have a riot. It's not affordable anymore. Like yeah. the, the cost of resale flats is not affordable. It, don't so, say resale flat. Even brand new yeah, flats are going flat. for six hundred okay. now. Okay. If, if okay, if you if you if you want to play the devil's advocate and you can say, oh, if you don't want to get a good location, you want to like live in some fuck all place. Yeah, there are some like affordable BTOs there. Okay, I grant you that. But you know, are they though? <laughs> are <laughs> you still can get like two, like two, three hundred k kind of like yeah, la. k five room, uh, three room flats. You know. Yeah, 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 no, okay, but like, they are those options if you want to go for. It. But everybody wants to go for the better options, obviously, well, right? Yeah, because obviously. no one, no one wants to stay in a fuck old place. No, right? yeah, but, but you want to stay near your parents. But the right? problem, right, is the fucking resale flat grants is 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 like they increased. Let me see, they increased thirty k. Uh, for two to four room flats mm. and 10k for five or larger room flats for first timer families buying resale HDBs. So if you're saying that like the resale flats affordable, right? Like they keep saying, well, it depends what for. Like then why are you giving such a huge rise in grants? And I think like it doesn't solve the problem of the rising resale prices at all. I think it is going to exacerbate issue because people are like, oh, actually, uh, no, I got extra grant now. I can pay more you know like so i think that's a fucking problem okay, and then let b, me, b let me just go on i have a problem with the single i have a problem with the singles grant so there is a 15k increase for eligible first timer singles okay and then they 
they define singles as first-timer singles as Singaporean citizens who have not enjoyed any housing subsidies before meet the prevailing monthly income ceiling of 14k uh, if purchasing with family members or other singles, 7k if purchasing alone, and do not own or have an interest in private property in the last 30 months prior to flat ap- applications. So if you are single, right, and you're applying it, applying by yourself, right, why would you even buy four or five room or larger flat? Like, why are you being subsidized for a five room or larger flat if you're buying it by yourself? Maybe. If you're buying it with your parents is one thing, lah. Because there's no smaller flats in those older estates? No, that's not true. In the older estates, there are lots of three-room flats. And I'm just saying that if you think that there's not enough flats in Singapore, you shouldn't be incentivizing single people to own spaces larger than they need. Okay, let me, let me play a devil's advocate. You all know how I feel about HTV. I'm just like constantly ragging and railing on them. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, so, that, so, I've taken a look into the HTV situation a little bit and came away with a little bit more insight la, and I I kind of shifted some of my initial position on HDB and the, the fact of the matter is change is definitely on the horizon in terms of like what kind of pricing we're going to be looking at. Overall, the, the, the model of HDB is not going to change. Like we're still going to have the resale flats and then people are still going to mm-hmm. sell their resale flat at market value. So the market, these are market forces that cannot, that we don't really control control yeah but the government has institute like cooling periods and the, the current one now uh, which is that you have to have a 30 30 month cooling period like you cannot buy hdb after you sell your private units or your private housing is going to be very significant so those those will play out in the long term and it will definitely have a very immediate impact right on the on the pricing of resale flats like you know instantly that there's going to be a segment of the population that can't buy your flats. You cannot price it the way that it used to be. And then they're gonna, there's going to be some equilibrium in terms of like how pricing will be structured. Then the second thing, of course, is that regarding the... Regarding... Wait, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, you were saying like how singles buying large spaces, whatever, right? I think the 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 issue here is we shouldn't control what kind of houses people buy. No, I'm not we are not controlling it. What? It's about grants, right? Like if you want to buy a big fucking house for yourself, right, and enjoy your bachelorette or bachelor pet, the government shouldn't be giving you additional subsidies for it. Yeah, so I always have this issue, right, when they call it grants. Because it's not a grant. It's not a grant. It's a, it's, it's you a loan. Pay, yeah, it's a loan yeah. You loan from yourself to pay, pay yourself yeah. back. Actually, it's not even like loaning from yourself yeah. strictly. It's like you're loaning from your CPF. It's a basically yeah. A, dis- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a discount that will get reimbursed you if you to, sell. Yeah, if you sell it and you need to pay it yeah. back plus the interest rate, right? I think. Mm. Yes, correct. So in essence, right, it's not really a grant per se. Uh, and then of course, the fact of the matter is that you, you kind of need to give people the option. Like, what if the only available flat for me to stay close to my uh, mother with dementia? My mom don't have dementia, but let's just say for <laughs> example, okay? Let's uh-huh. just say for example, now I have one elderly father who is, you know, broken hip, and then I have one mother who is dement- has a dementia. And then the only place that I can find that's near them is a, is a five-room flat. Like, what, what am I supposed to do about that? So restricting options for like very specific things such as this uh, is also not a solution. I feel like that is a very extreme case. Yeah, it is. 
But at the same time... But, and we are also not restricting options. Um, because like these grants were not this high in the past. It's basically not giving discounts to people who yeah. take up more space than they need. La. You know, it's not telling them you, you shouldn't be buying this. It's, if you want to buy this, we're just not going to give you the kind of money that you think you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, it's basically on you. La. Like, yeah. If you want to do it, then do it. La. Like, but do it on your own money, basically. Yeah. So the other thing, of course, in terms of like BTO pricing, right? So they, they I think what they did in the past was they, they categorized like broadly the housing into two categories. So there's a mature estate, then there's a non-mature estate, which word on the street la, is that they are going to phase out this type of categories. Mm. Um, but the mature estate definitely uh, you have like greater amenities, greater accessibility, so on and so forth. La. So then in terms of the pricing, definitely both resale and BTO will kind of like reflect that level of um additional benefits for living in a mature estate. And conversely, non-mature estates, right, in order for to, to get people to um go to those places. I mean even like the fact of the matter is for mature estate, at some point they will start off as non-mature estates. Like somebody have to go there and start building it up from the bottom. Businesses need to go there and for businesses to go there, there must be people living there. So they all have to start from somewhere. And the and how they are doing it is, okay, here's a, here's a cheaper place, you know, for families that either want to down downscale who can't afford it or can't afford like bigger places, can't afford luxury, which is what bigger houses are luxury, Okay and you don't mind traveling a little bit more, you don't mind sacrificing a little bit of your time so that you can save money, then this is the place for you. So there's a broad spectrum of like options. Like here, here's what you can, here's the option A, B, C. You know, if you're in, of a certain income bracket, then here's option A, right? So somebody has to start somewhere. And this is, like I said, I don't like the HTV model. I don't think it's particularly glorious and... There's gonna be a lot of problems down the line. <laughs> like it's already a lot of problems right now. Yeah, correct. And but at the same time, I cannot fault the government for tweaking and dulling the current situation to kind of like maximize for a bunch of people. The, the yeah, I mean, like we are working with what we have right now. Yeah, you correct. cannot just like entirely like just eradicate like the we can past just, measures like we and can fuck just, like, the, the whole HDB project. And yeah. Say, yeah, it's just going to go all private now. But then that's like we just create new sets of problems, right? And the new yeah, set. Or of if you do be, the other way around and you say, okay, it's all going to be pu public right now, and then like nobody can sell anything for profit, that's going to fuck with people anyways. Yeah, right. right. So, so no I mean, it's minor tweaks, but just like I mean, we are anyways they tweak it, right? Like. The future generation is just going to be fucked either ways. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to rag on on Dan a little bit. Dan, Dan, yeah. I just want sure, to go ahead. Rag away, 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 away. Yeah. So just now when we were talking about the grants, right? So many years ago, when he was applying for a flat, he thought that oh, I have access to all these grants. Oh, so he took everything. Huh? Yeah. So he's like, if I take Damn. everything, then when I sell my flat, you know, I can take all the government money. Then I'm like. No, like, you got to return the grants. Like. He's like, is it? And he didn't know. Oh then he's like, oh my God, I didn't know. But this is also the same guy who used like two condoms at once. Like, so, <laughs> I mean. This is the same guy who told us Spencer went to the massage parlor and got the, was it? the? I mean, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, not surprised. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so, the, okay, the, the fact of the matter is the way HTV is being structured now in terms of like the type of buy. You're just functionally, you're one of two type of buyer. You're either someone who is going to flip the houses 
because you can, and not necessarily because you believe that you should, but just simply the system you allows you mm. can. Yes. So I'm in that category of person. So I, for me, it's like I'm always looking to maximize any particular system that in. Uh, so if I were to buy a BTO, I would definitely flip it. Just why the fuck not? Then there's the second group of people who's just like, okay, look, I'm buying a house. I'm going to stay there for the next like 40 years at mm. a minimum. Then when I sell, right, it's for like a very specific purpose. Either I am, all my kids are move, have moved out. I don't really need the space I anymore. Yeah, I, I want to downsize. I want to right size. The government now call it right size. Uh, by the way. Now mm. they're trying to avoid negative words like downsize. Okay, like Angie, you love the PAP. You got to use the right terminology. Okay? PAP is what, man? Right sizing. Right, right sizing. Maybe, maybe we need to right size the PAP lah. We need to right-size a lot of things, right? We need no, to right- no, no, no. It's, it's not right- neg- Don't- Okay, don't have negative connection. Not right-sizing the PAP is right-sizing the opposition. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We need to right-size both the PAP and the opposition. And then, so we'll be fair, okay? We are equal opportunity. <laughs> Although then, we love the PAP more. Oh, no, and then that mom is definitely wrong size all the way, okay? This boy is- There's no, there's no right-size yeah, for yeah, right 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 okay. Uh, So in terms of these two type of buyers, then their options will be different, nah. Now, in terms of the grants and whatnot, right? Then, if you're going to, if you're the second category of person, then please go ahead get all the fucking grants in the world because you're going to stay there for, for yeah. forever anyway. The the money once you fully pay off the house, the it's money yours. You yeah, don't have to worry about yeah, it. you don't really need. Even to- if you lose your job and then you got nothing to eat, at least you got a house. Yeah. you know, you can all move into one room and then like rent your other rooms out or whatever. I don't care. So that is the idea, lah. Then for people like me, the first camp, then definitely don't try to leverage all of the grants and whatnot. Maybe. Be selective about what you do, especially if, let's say, you are you are intending to flip, you are intending to sell for a profit or whatever. And then also, there's additional, there's some like other things that's like happening in the recent times. Uh, so with the waterfront development, right, which is the capital area, they oh, have yeah. they have now uh, have a, so there used to be mature, non mature. Then now there's a third category, something called the PLH or something like pub premium lease housing or something. It's like the premium last house. places. Uh. Yeah. And those places, um, first of all, MOP 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So in the past, it was MOP 5, right? So five years, you have you have to stay inside. No. No, no singles allowed to buy no, these fucking BTOs. Motherfuckers. Yeah. No, no backseas and you have to stay inside. You cannot be like away and then you can only sell upon the fifth year, uh, completion of the fifth year. But now with the new... I think it's called PLH. I just call the Atas housing. Uh. Atas okay, PTO. with the Atas housing, yeah. is 10 years MOP. Then another thing, right, is that you can only sell to another Singaporean. Yeah, you cannot sell it to like PR or like Yeah, you whatever. can sell it to foreigners, you can sell it to I PR. think this is great. What I, I, um, and I think it's a good initiative because I think it's Desmond Lee, right, who was, who proposed this because the problem is they don't want the, there, there to be areas of Singapore where Singaporeans cannot afford to be in, Right. So, like, for example, like, th- th- these atas spaces, usually the land cost is astronomical. Um, so, then you have a gathering of fucking rich people there, right? So, like, they're kind of trying to mix in all these, like, regular Joes and those atas rich fucks, right? But the problem is, right, they don't let singles buy at all in any of these places. We are already not able to BTO for mature estates. We cannot <laughs> BTO... For this, like, Atta's fucking BTO. And I think it's just really unfair, honestly speaking. Yeah, so the only option is the resale law. Yeah. 
Which then, um, like, as a single, no, right? As a premium single, premium place, you, as a single, you cannot buy. Yeah, yeah you cannot right. buy. Like, and and like, it's so fucking unfair because it's not like I pay less. But, that, tax, but right? that's what you were saying just now. Like, you didn't want the singles to have like the premium or the no, I'm talking spacious. about like grants. I'm talking about grants, but BTOs so, we are only allowed so, like two rooms. Wait, tax. hang on. You just now. You, one of your gripe was that you shouldn't like singles shouldn't have this spacious. No, but if they have like two no, or three, no, like no, two on, rooms. I think I think uh, she's, what she's saying is if single wants to go for this premium house, they should pay right, for it. They should be able to while not getting the grant. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm no, saying, I mean, okay. So singles, right? Under Okay, BSO and BTO is different. BSO as a single, you can buy any size that you want. As as a single and you want to buy a BTO, you're restricted to two rooms, two room flats yeah, yeah. only. Yeah, bachelor pets. Okay. Yeah. So if they're building two room flats in all these like estates, right? All these fucking Atas estates. Then I think singles should also be able to, you know, BTO for them. Uh. Like, why are we kept out all these, of all these places? I have not seen the architectural plans. I don't think they're planning any of these single two room pets. I think they should, you know. Because, yeah. you know, and you know what? I think this would be a really great social initiative where you just have a fucking block of singles and old people. And then these singles have to go and help the old people. And then they'll have like regular fucking sessions where... They come together and then you have like a single mixer in the flat, mm. right? And then mm. they can just go to each other's house, fuck around, and then maybe find a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And pop out some babies to have yeah. a new TFR. And once you get married, you move out all those flats, then you have like two extra vacant ones for new singles to move in. Like, does that not make sense to you? Like, no, where are single people supposed to go? <laughs> no. oh, none of this. Single people supposed to go? It makes fucking sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know? none, none of this makes I'm sense. I'm just saying. By, by the way, uh, when we talk about singles in this particular context, most of the time, right, okay, I will say about 60-70% of the time, we're talking about gay people, lesbian women, right? We're talking about, like, oh, those no. are the people, first of all, they are single, they definitely don't want to stay with their parents, and they are the ones who have Shitload of disposable income, okay? They, they These people, they are... I would say you're wrong. Like, the the percentage of people who are remaining unmarried and choosing not to get married is increasing at an exponential rate. Yeah, I mean... The, 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 so there will be more and more of people like me. I would say... I would say... And the government is not doing shit about it. Angie, your idea is great, right? I don't know if the younger singles will want to be reminded of who and what they are going to become. <laughs> I'm mixing huh? with the older singles. I don't think they give a. Block. I don't think they give a shit. I think they just want like affordable places to stay in. Ah, but that is true. That is true. Like, is yeah. you think I'm gonna give a shit about like my neighbors or like the aunties and uncles around me and be like, oh my god, I'm gonna turn into that? No, but I just want on. a fucking place. But if that's the case, then you should not have any problems living in like the corner of Singapore. Mm-hmm. Like one of my one of my gay friends, he, okay. he actually got a, a flat two room in Pongo, and he's very happy. He's like extremely happy. I'm getting you it. You know what I think? I think singles, right? Next year, I think. I think yeah. singles should get more proximity housing grant to their parents because singles are usually the ones taking care of their parents, not the married siblings. Oh, he doesn't He doesn't get along with his dad, so it's fine. Okay. I'm just Ladies saying. and gentlemen. Statistically. Uh, we, have a, we have a special guest. Hi, Reggie. Hi, Reggie. Hi, guys. Can, hey, you, Reggie. Hear, Can you hear me? Uh, my good friends, Jerry and Angie. Just, just. Hi, hey, Reggie. Can you hear us? Hi, hi guys. Oh, okay. I, I, I can. can. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. yes. We yeah, can. loud and clear, loud and clear. We can hear you just fine. Okay, Ready. great, great. Good stuff. Thank you very much for joining us. You are the chief financial coconut. Wow, I love that. I love that. And the, he's the new CFO. <laughs> nice. Is that a new <laughs> like a promotion or something? Promotion? You, you mean like... Uh, is it, no, no, no. It's just like a brand kind of thing, right? 
It's, okay. it's, part, of, it's part of the the financial coconut, the branding and how you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite cute. Lah. People find it funny. And we, I work in the finance space right, in that sense. So yeah, to them, this is very, out, uh, very outside already. You know, like <laughs> very fashion forward already. Okay. So yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank, once again, thank you so much for joining us. So Reggie is the the host of the Financial Coconuts. I think you are like the easily the top five biggest podcast in Singapore right now. So thank you very thank much you. for taking time to, to join us in the Longkang and talking about Budget 2023. Nice, nice. You know, when I first started the podcast, someone asked me, do you know about Longkang Kitties? I was like, what? Longkang Kitties? How come up with such a name? <laughs> and then after that, I realized you guys Interesting. We're very politically active. So, love it. Thank you, thank you. Thank uh, you. We only exist to spread our no, love of the PAP. We're only politically talkative, not yeah. active. Yeah. <laughs> <And I don't... laughs> okay, that's a good start. That's a good start. I think one of our guys, Dan Wong, will also guest appeared on one of your episodes as well. I don't know if you... Yes, Dan and Lydia, they did a great job. Really amazing, amazing. They almost stole the show. Is it? By, by doing inappropriate nice. things, I, I hope not. Please don't encourage them. Yeah, don't encourage Dan Wong. He's the, <laughs> he's the nastiest amongst of us. Yeah. I think they, I really think they do a good job. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Okay, fantastic. So maybe Reggie, let's just dive you right in as well. Mm. Oh, by the way, if you once you need to leave, you just let us know. Lah, huh? No obligation sure. to stay. And then regarding, okay. We were just talking about just getting our initial thoughts on budget 2023 without, I mean, we were deep diving into HTV and whatever, but the original plan was to <laughs> get some initial thoughts on budget 2023 uh, upon reading it, upon hearing it as a Valentine's Day gift from our DPM. Reggie, your thoughts, please. Mm. Uh, it's not a very gift gift. Uh, and then, <laughs> I think <laughs> I went on a show. Valentine's Day I- present for us. Yeah, I was like, I was like, no lah, better not lah. So, <laughs> okay, so, so it's, I, I feel like it's, it's a PR optics problem, right? In a sense that if you tell people you're gonna give them a gift, then people are expecting like a gift, right? Like, like give me something serious, like a gift, gift, you know. But a lot of the things that he proposed is very much adjustment centric. It's like, okay, got inflation, right? Then I give you a little bit more so that you get adjusted. You know, oh, you cannot get this right. Okay, I give you a little bit more so you get adjusted. It's not like a gift, you know what I mean? So to me, it's like a, it's a very PR problem. Uh. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know who, which genius came up with this idea of like, oh, this is a gift. Uh, probably you know, an like, advertising ag- agency, I guess. Uh, Reggie, yeah, what's, probably. Your, what's your favorite bit from the budget 2023 and what's your least favorite? Favorite bit, ah. Uh? Is there what, any measures that you're like, oh my god, this is genius. It will completely solve the problem. <laughs> okay, so I think I think the problems that we are facing these days are very complicated, right? It's, it's, it's complicated in the sense that firstly, it's very hard to solve. Secondly, it's, no matter what strategy you use, you're going to hurt some people and then you're going to lose some votes. Lah, right? So that's the, that's the reality of, of the problems today. I think maybe the, the one that I, I quite like is raising the CPF ceiling. Right, so people will be like, "Wow, you CPI pay a lot of money, ah, huh? these kind of things." So I was like, "I'm like the the bigger problem here. I think they get on CPI, and if they can be separated, it is it's probably a little bit better." When when you say separated, do you mean like when you say separated, do you mean like not be not paying like your HDB with your CPF money? Yeah, in a sense that 
Okay, not the thing is the thing is the government never say you have to use the CPF money to get HDB, right? But the HDB costs so much, right? That you have no choice, right? The CPF is like you have to use it, right? In that sense, so it's like I never force you to do it, but there's just this money sitting there in my retirement account, and it can allow me to pay the flat. So I'm incentivized to do it. I think that's a that's a general idea of how people do it. And as 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 the, as the musical chairs of HDB yeah, I think it was WP that brought up the, the fact that, you know, goals of HDB and CPF are kind of at odds, right? Because if you want to kind of pay for your house with the CPF, then you don't have money for your retirement unless you sell your house. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so that is the current situation, right? I mean, that's the current situation most people are experiencing, right? And we cannot run away from this reality. Like, although, like I said, the government never forced you to do it this way, but you know, no choice, right? How much you make, how much CPF take, you need to buy this house. So everybody just does it. And this becomes a cultural equilibrium. Everybody does it this way. And I do agree with what some of the WP people are saying, right? Essentially, you are perpetuating this uncertainty of like how is how the HDB prices move will directly and indirectly affect your essentially your retirement, right? And that becomes like, why do you want to circulate these two things together and drive more and more uncertainty down the people, right? And I think that's the part that it's it's problematic. La. But if HDB aside, okay, which is a problem in itself, um, I think raising the CPS ceiling is is good la, in the sense that it's keeping up with the times. Portion of Singaporeans are making a bit more money today. And I think the real way for them is fine. But I don't know if they're going to be Medium is a very difficult thing to gauge though. Yep. Yeah, because in Singapore, we actively try to recruit people who earn a fucking lot of money. So it's I, true, it's true, yeah. it's true. I think that's a, that's a fair point, right? And to be fair, a lot of the PRs, they are middle-upper. If not, they will not even get PRs to exactly. begin with, right? So, yeah. Maybe so let, me, honest- let me start with something, because one of the points that you raised up was that the, the coupling of uh, CPF and HDB seems to kind of like bring us into this like vicious spiral downwards, right? Then, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. But then, what is the... So, okay, the way I see it is that CPF is our money to begin with. I mean, a lot of people like mm. imagine CPF right as a as like separate from their bank account, but because you it, can't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> but in in essence, right? What what actually happened is your your actual salary is a hundred and seventeen percent of what the employer actually offers you. If you are mm. paid for one thousand dollars a month, your actual salary is one thousand one hundred seventy dollars. And so in essence, so let's say we top up more to the CPF, right? Then yes. isn't it like we're just also kind of like shifting the bug around? With the, the one thousand, the one one seven zero doesn't run away. It doesn't go anywhere. It, it's still the same one one seven zero. No matter you put some part of it in this bank account or you put some other part of it in another government sanctioned bank account, the mm-hmm. the the money. So I guess the my question, the crux of my question is: if not CPF, then uh, what what else is it for in terms of purchasing a house? Yeah, so which is why I understand 
people do it, right? I understand why people are doing it. It, it is it is what it is because 37% of your income goes there, right? So 20% yours, 70%. But to me, I just see it as one lump sum. Lah, huh? mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I get why people do that. And I get the comfort to know that, you know, uh, you put the money in, it just moves along, your life carries on, all the cash, you do whatever you want to do, right? So it is, it is a situation. I don't really know what other strategies can be done in that sense, you know, from a from a structural perspective. But yeah, it is the, to me the bigger problem, like I said, is HDB law, less on less on CPF. But the problem the problem with CPF is that I recently talked to a lot of people about this. I think that if you just put the CPF is it is changing its structure. Mm. Not, 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 the age of your drawing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it creates a lot. Of, it's, it's, like this, it's, like, it's like this partner that is not very consistent, right? And then people will be like, hey, so what did I sign up for? And I cannot, I cannot really veto this thing directly. So... Yeah, yeah. I get why people are very angry about it or like generally have general disdain over CPF, right? But I ask, I ask people, it's like, so if you own CPF, then are you going to manage your own? And you're going to manage your own because it's part of the risk involved, right? And the complexity of managing your own money is quite, it's quite difficult. And so I mean, personal finance podcast. Okay, there are a lot of and crazy. Yeah. There'll be some people that can do it and well and good. If you can do it, just, any, not everybody can draw, right? Some people just draw it really well. Some people just cannot. Right? So, like, some people that manage for me, they can do it really well. For everyone else, they're like, the crazy. They're not ready for it. You know what I mean? The, the crux of the CPF matter seems to, like, the, the constant shifting of the goalposts in terms of the CPF, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, we can kind of, like, trace all of it back to the falling birth rate. Now. I think the, the CPF model was built based on we're going to have an increasing number of young people where their CPF contribution will support the older generation. Um, like mm. the, I think the, the most cost center for any like government programs, entitlement programs, and retirement seems to be one of the, the places where if there's no uh, so-called like the younger generation pumping in money, to support the older generation's retirement. And especially mm. in a time when CPS started, it was like Singapore was quote unquote third year, third world country. And then mm. so they were earning third world wages and then now they need to retire in the first world. It seems to be the, the, the nature of the problem seems to be within the model of CPF itself. If you don't have young people coming in to supplement the old, then we are going to ever like this is an ever growing problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so a few things, right? The CPF actually started before the country became a country, right? And I don't know how many of you guys know. CPF is a colonial structure. That's why Malaysia has EPF. I think India has EPF also. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong has something called NPF or something like that. Um, it's the colonial powers that refused to pay pension to the local people because they didn't see the colonists as the same, right? To see, to see them as part of the colony, right? So you pseudo slaves, whatever you want to call yourself, like whatever, okay? <laughs> so it started as plebeians, right? Whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna identify with is up to you. Yep. But that is how the structure started. That's why they got the local merchants and the local people to put together your own quote unquote pension. Right, so that's how the CPF structure came about. Of course, Singapore government took it and ran, right? So they ran with it for many, many years. And to be fair, 
in the early days, you're so broke, right? Really want to create a pension scheme for the people is quite hard, right? So as it develops, the country becomes wealthier and wealthier. So a lot of other problems come about with this wealth disparity. And I mean, I, I hear you about the the whole like, oh, there are some people that they didn't make that kind of wage. Now they got to live in such a city, blah, 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 right? So so I think I think that is that is a fair statement. As to exactly what is inside, nobody's really sure what, what is inside. And I think that's when the... That's when all the all the ideas and all the stories can fester, right? I think it's the the issue with how they can like promise interest rates on your CPF retirement, uh, on your on your basic retirement sum. That it, I mean, as a as a financial person, it doesn't make sense that oh yeah, you know, for sure, year on year, we're gonna grow this amount of money for your retirement. Okay, okay, I I tell you the this is this is the interesting part. This is different, huh? Mm. So. I don't know how many people know, but actually what happens is CPF buys a special bond issued by MAS. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So CPF, C- CPF doesn't invest in the market. Okay? What happens is MAS will sell them a bond that is uniquely to the CPF account and then MAS takes the money passed to GIC and Tomasic. Okay? Yep. So whatever GIC and Tomasic do does not fundamentally affect the payout that MAS will give to CPF. Why? Because MAS essentially controls the money printing machine, right? They can keep printing. There's no real, there's no real, it's like you lend to the person that, that it's like you lend rice to the person that plants rice, you know, what, are the, what is the chances of, of, the, of the person not paying back? It's not that it's impossible, but highly unlikely. Right? So, yep. so I think that's the, that's a part that people need to realize that it's, it's not, it's not like the money that is in CPF, it's not directly invested in the market. You're going to an intermediary, which is the central bank that owns the rights to print money. They can just take a piece of paper and draw it and That also has consequences, right? In terms of actual <laughs> inflation, the, when, when we do quantitative easing, the, the value of money goes down over time. Like, it's not an immediate thing. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's why, we got to be fair that we we are very tight on that front. We don't do QE very often. Yes, yes. Right? I mean, and that's one of the things I appreciate out. about the PAP government. They, yes, I think there's a lot yes. of governments around the world. Uh, they are, they are quantitative. They are, the first part of call is always quantitative easing. Got problems? Yeah. yeah. Just print money. Let's go. <laughs> the Yeah, recently I was recently I was talking for a contract with the tech company right and then and then they were telling me oh you know your your competitor in australia you know they charge us this price and it's in aussie dollar i was like so then they're like aussie dollar is cheaper i said oh okay <laughs> i didn't realize because i don't really go there i only i only been there like what when i was a kid that was like 20 years ago mm-hmm. and back then aussie dollar was like what one to one point three i think right now it's like 0.92 yeah, yeah. when <laughs> i was studying yeah. it was so all this all this qe rubbish is killing all these like established economy right and and that is a part that we gotta we gotta give it give it credit lah when it's due lah huh? so yeah the government does practice a lot of prudence in that sense lah no yeah. i you think like, especially over the pandemic you can see like the fluctuations in the global currencies and then like all the yeah. historically strong currencies have been like weakening oh, cha, 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 hmm. it's true it's true they, it's, it's just it's just horrible right and and this this is the part that you gotta Give it to give it to the PAP in that sense, right? Or if you believe that it is separated, give it to MAS, right? They are doing a good job <laughs> in, in in what they do to to protect. Is this separated, currency. Reggie? Do you have inside information I, as to whether? I don't know. <laughs> it's all just one giant machine, like one <laughs> giant part that I don't machine. know, right? Like 
Ah, yeah. Is know, it just a high drop? You know, it's just like, well, actually, it's a it's one head and another head like all connected to the big. All head. connected to the big. Body, <laughs> okay, okay. Let's be clear on this, right? As with any, as with any organization, as the organization stay in power for longer, they will have leaks in in the you know the whole place, lah. Right? It's, mm. it's very normal one, right? Uh, <laughs> but I don't know exactly. Very they careful there. Are they separated or there? But at least you can be clear that the MS office is not within the Ministry of Finance, lah. Okay. So yeah, uh, this, uh, this is the part where it, we all speak in legalese and be like. Yeah, I know. This, this just our opinions, bro. This just a conspiracy theory, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> That's the part. That's the part that I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I, I actually, if you ask me, right? I mean, on the topic of CPF, right? And, and I think one thing that people need to realize that for the longest time, CPF is a you do you problem. You know, if you don't make enough money, it's your problem. You know. I think even your, in the past, your... like, wasn't it that was the this is the story that I always tell, by the way. I don't care if it's true or not, but wasn't it in the past where <laughs> you, get your, yeah, you get your CPF in one lump sum, then this one dude spent it all on like some Vietnamese mistress. <laughs> like he blew it all out. And then that's when the basic retirement sum came in, like kicked in, and then they started to disperse it. Because clearly we cannot be trusted with our own money. Oh, mm, so back to the nanny state situation, is it? Um, no, like yeah, for, uh, to... Go for it, go for it. My question to you is that is there any downsides to the raising of the CPF feeling? Uh, I mean, the downside is really you don't get back your money now, right? <laughs> uh, so I think, and from, from an individual downside, I think that's the main thing. Right? You don't get back your money straight away. You get, essentially, it gets dispersed over time. But I do think this brings us to CPF Life, right? Which is, a, which is an annuity program, right? For, to, to put it simple, you get you get your returns every month like, in that sense, right? When you retire and the CPF life kicks in. Yeah, my dad's very happy about it. He's like, oh, I get and, this X amount every month. Yeah, so they give you X amount every month depending on how much money you have in your CPF, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's the part that a lot of people don't realize is when CPF life came about, right? I think it was 21-2 after they lost the election, right? So after, after that, they, they, there was a lot of like Policy changes after that. Like, I think the groundswell is real. Till date, uh, day, I think the groundswell is real. So, so the CPF life actually is a step forward in terms of the government taking initiative. I mean, to take responsibility for. I can't remember the timing. This is the plan, right? Is this you and Goya? At the end, you pay your money. It's a problem already. Now, you you take that sixty-five. Now, is the government has not participated in more retirement at all. They just slowly live back and build a little bit of a new farm. It's just But CPF life is an annuity program that you take to your death. So, and then, of course, we have to contribute some years. We have a job that must be done. But you so the old people, the old people studies are just that. Very like you will live to 
The joke here in the Long Kang is that Jerry is 300 years old, so he's been collecting the Soul yeah. Generation for yeah. like 200 years plus. Yeah, yeah man. He can keep getting it. He can keep getting it. He will be the one that's value. Uh. Very value. Uh. Very, yeah, very worth, very worth. But as a result of this, I think also, yeah, so it's, pos- it's possible that the research arm that like yielded these results and then the PAP kind of like saw the need to increase the ceiling as a result yeah. of higher retirement needs in the future. If we are going to live even like a two to three year increment in like lifespan, average lifespan, can drastically increase the the, mm. the cost, and we're talking about like such uh long periods of time, you know, spending decades, you know, your your savings and whatnot. Um, and then, like, let's yeah, not then, forget that when we got to be real, right? We are not as valuable, already. At some point in our lives, right, we just have to seat the center stage, right? It's very hard for us to keep monetizing ourselves all the way. Yep. You know what I mean? And mm. not to I, I, yeah, I think that's realistic. I think like the other thing is like as you, the older you get, the more medical problems that you have. And then in Singapore, medical cost is like insane. And I think we have one of the lowest healthcare spending in the developed worlds, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is this is the part that I think is interesting. So CPF is one thing, right? But under the so which is what actually I talk to a lot of CPF people. I don't speak for them uh, on their behalf. Uh. <laughs> but I don't speak for their behalf. I cannot represent them. But a lot of times when I talk to them about other things, they roll eyes on. Because it's like not my problem become my problem. You know what I mean? Like, like, like healthcare costs. They, they manage MediSave. Yes, it's under MOM. I don't know how many of you know that CPF is under Ministry of Manpower. Okay, so they manage MediSave, yes. But as to how much the hospital charge, right, it's nothing to do with them. It is MOH problem. Yeah. Right? So, so and, and that's the part where the, we no longer have public healthcare. We have restructured hospitals. Right and 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 that's the part that I think a lot of people don't realize, and it can be quite a problem because the other restructuring system means got private interest inside, right? We want to seek profit, right? We make money out of it. Correct. And, and the thing is, like, because our, our money supposedly is kind of locked in our Medisafe, right? Like, okay, you could have like private insurance as well, but let's say you want to use a Medisafe, right? You are not free to use it as you wish as well, you know, like to yes. pay for your medical yes, costs. Yes. So, like, there yes. are caps to what you can pay per treatment, per time. Um, and, yes. and I think, you know, like for example, if you have cancer, you're about to die already and then you're like, sorry, uh, you cannot use this sum in your bank, in your CPF because, in your Medisafe because what if you don't die? The next time you yeah, need more yeah. medical fees, then it's like, you know, it's just a whole yes. bunch of... It's a whole cesspool in itself. Yeah. Yes, this one, I, I understand. Like a whole episode. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's no there's there's no simple solution out of out of that, right? I mean the the the, the idea of policy or like maybe when you set any systems or any policies, you at some point you have to draw a line, right? And the and the line needs to be debated and actively debated, right? So we got to keep debating this back and forth. Hey, the ground has changed. Things need to change. You, you know. Yeah. So and I think that's what we are doing, right? We're not we're not like flaming anybody. Just saying hey, that maybe the line needs to be shifted, right? So. So and, and it's part and parcel of, of pushing boundaries, you know, being heard and organizing. But if you think if you are the most trying to draw a line, and where is the line, right? And I think that's the part that sometimes I feel the parliament can be a little bit more on because these days I feel a lot of character situation. <laughs> so what? what? So much on the merits of the, the, the policy itself. My remarks at each other. Like, Thank you, Mr. Yeah, Singh. It's like, it's like a trend, 
like the reason I just saw a video before I came uh, it was Leon P- Pereira in, in parliament and he was like are you laughing at me are you smiling <laughs> <laughs> alright it's like you know it's like yeah it meant taunting is a strategy la, but Leon I think he really cares about I love Leon about that, Leon's my favourite like MP in the whole entire parliament you say in Serengo North is it no, no, I, no, 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 I wish I did. I wish I did. She's an East Side girl. Yeah, I'm like yeah, Tampani's A lot of my friends are saying Serengoon North has very good feedback about him. So yes. Yeah, he's the fucking stuff. best. He's a great dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Um, ah. Shifting gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit about... I mean, from CPF and HDB, let's shift gears a little bit into the... Budget's intention, right, of like upgrading the the local workforce here in Singapore. Mm. There seems to be a lot of money that's being there's a lot of em- yeah, there's a lot of emphasis lah on, on like, uh, for example, okay, let me just two point four billion to progressive wage credit scheme. Let me just switch my screen. Wait, wait. Okay, so the people in the four life- billion to the National Productivity Fund, one billion for customized support for promising local companies under the Singapore Global Enterprise Initiative, extra $150 million via SME co-investment fund. But maybe we start with, maybe we start with that first, which is the this kind of like neoliberal uh, <laughs> stance, right? On You say like, that like an insult. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I fucking hate the neoliberal the, the ideology. But anyway, so the, the stance being that yeah, the a government should actively um, promote businesses or promote uh, capitalism, la, so-called, by, mm. by, by investing in them, placing money in them, s- supporting them with additional infrastructure, so on and so forth. Mm. Mm. So, Reggie, your thoughts on like this, this, that, this money being set aside for developing local businesses? Okay, so, so I think I, I understand the neoliberal ideology. Luckily, I know what are these things. Right? <laughs> yeah. not how I'm going to talk to you about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I understand <laughs> where it's coming from. It's, it was pushed by Thatcher, Reagan, all of them like, in, the, in, the, in the 90s. Yep. So I think there are a lot of, a lot, you see a lot of semblance in the, in the Choktong era where they let the property market flow. They welcome more foreign investors, more foreign people, all that jazz, right? So, so. I do understand where that comes from. I and for a long time, I've struggled with this idea, right? Is that the question I hear is that is there a difference between local capital and foreign capital? Okay. And for a long time, I've struggled with this idea, right? Is there a difference between local I thought about it. I think, I think right, actually there is difference one. You know, there is difference between local capital and foreign capital. Right? Because if if the local people they live here, you know, they, they, they are immersed in the environment, they live in Singapore, they are here, their kids are in the school, they care about the roads, they care about how the environment is, they care about the whole thing. You know, you can say the MRT is the same. They still ask me drive. It's not wrong. I still drive. It's not wrong. 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 Private capital and public capital, and also local capital and foreign capital. Right. right. So okay. 
the thing here is the public capital is actually quite strong, right? Because of the Land Reclamation Act in a long Right. Uh, the Land Reform Act a long time ago where we took back all the land and then you know we established our own businesses and all that but over time I think our public capital whether you can say it's a good call you know or just cheating or whatever right for whatever reason not all of them are capital continue to go and spend abroad you know some of them work quite lazy and when they get lazy then they start to eat into other places, right? Because those are the easy places to go into. They no longer spend time. They no longer spend money to invest in history, you know, development, or like things that will get us to the next level. It's like how we essentially forgo the whole high tech manufacturing in the 80s and the 90s, right? Because those things require a lot of money to go in and uncertain outcome. And I see Taiwan, you see Japan, Korea, some of those countries, they benefit from it, right? Even the labor is benefiting from from the manufacturing supply chain that they have, right? So it is a, it is a choice, I would say. But the other thing that... I... So it is what it is. But yeah, there is a world difference between people that live here, they own the capital here, they, they donate to the schools here, they want to groom the people here, and compared to foreign capital that just wants to make money, and they go around the world trying to make money, and I'm very sure when our local capital go abroad, they also act like foreign capital. They're not interested in the local environment. They just really want to like profit, want to make money out of it, right? So it is a inherent structure of it, lah. So I think sometimes when people say cap- capital got no home, one, I say, I think capital has a home. It depends on where the capitalists stay. Hmm. But then, okay, let's take a look at local government, like when they spend money on all these enterprises and whatnot. Wouldn't wouldn't it just kind of like create a new type of game where the nature of your business, right, just needs to be catered to getting the grants instead of being a good business. Right, so... It's essentially the entrepreneur problem. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I know several businesses that yeah, are like... Yeah, we're no, stealing this term. No okay, entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay, that's a new term. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for introducing it to us. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the thing about entrepreneur, right, is... It will exist, lah. It will always exist, lah. Anywhere, if... I don't know if you understand Teochew. I was just very amazed the other day when I suddenly realized uh, a lot of the, you know, the Chinese dialects, right? They all have this idea that, you know, wherever it's easy, we go, like, which is quite understand, quite easy to understand, right? So if you throw out a grant, everyone is going to look at it and say, how am I going to get this grant? Right? So, so it is what it is. But if we see from the effect of the overall grant in the sense of how it, how it impacts the country, how it moves things forward. I think that's a better way to look at it. And to be fair, there's a lot of grants that fail. You know, a lot of initiatives that fail. You know, a lot of conversations that didn't get us anywhere. You know, over the past decade or two, right? So, but, but I think some things have changed, for sure. Like what was the, the PIC grant, I think? Uh, like the PIC grant was the worst. Yeah, man. I think, wasn't there like a report that says something like, like, don't know how many, several millions were basically misappropriated by mm. the business people that basically just write in grants 
<laughs> by the way, uh, there were so businesses I, that yeah, exist exactly. just to just help to you help get people the grants. It's insane. So, uh, yes. I'm a yes, they are. I'm a I mean, business person. The future also got right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, yep. to get old people to go for training and then like you know just to get the grant money out. So, so those things there lah. And any new grant, okay, let's be clear. Any new grant, you will have that for sure. So it's how hard the government clamps down. I think that is one thing. Um, and also, like, we cannot lie to ourselves that if the government is very hard-handed in terms of its clamping down, then people may not participate in it as much. You know, and, and, that, and that's a reality, right? If you clamp down very hard, then why would I want to participate? You know, it becomes scary. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I do is okay. Sometimes maybe I'm bending the rules, but I'm not, like, outright breaking it, but I don't want to participate. So not not, not so protecting all these entrepreneurs. Huh? I don't like them huh, to be to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I like, doing shit, huh? wasting time building lousy websites, you know, useless apps and all this rubbish, you know. I don't know what you guys are doing, but um, it is inherent no, in, in all in all structures that once you throw out this kind of money, there will be wastage. And I'm sure the government knows that. I think we can and I think we can kind of like be alright with portion of wastage but i guess my my question would be is this actively helping in for business in creating an environment where businesses can thrive and actually be competitive within singapore yes. and the rest okay. of the world okay great 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 so that's a good question i think for a long period of time what the government does right, is they just throw money mm. right so well so they're still they doing it now like, yes that was soft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not with me, man. I want money thrown at me. Okay, I throw money and then you'll see what, what you're going to do out of it. Right? So there's a lot of throw money. And to be fair, right, I do think that because they don't really know what they were doing. I mean, you look at just five years ago, the government ads were shit. You know, like a lot of the ads, right? Every every agency has an ad. Every organization has an ad. And they all the UI suck. You know, the UX is horrible. I have to but say this, nowadays, it a lot, eh? The apps are better, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot better. better. Oh my god, I love the SingPass app. SingPass is great. Health Hub is pretty good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and that is that is a whole process of learning that they they, they themselves gone through, right? That, that, that's why if the government apps are shit, how are they going to regulate whether the apps that are being created using their grants are going to be good? So, so, so I do think there's a process of, of learning there. But, but let's be clear. The, the days of PIC, I believe, is over. You know, where you just throw like Thank throw money out there, you know, and and let the market determine itself. I think the government has woke up and learned that these these kind of ideas don't work. So then they create they create things like you know go digital ambassador. As much as I find it funny, right? I'm like, okay, these are like it's essentially like intervention methodologies, right? Where okay, we allocate a grant. We also set up a system to kind of distribute the grant in a more targeted manner and work with people that. Are essentially making work, you know, but the, the whole process of trying to get more entrepreneurs to participate in it, right? It's also a cultural shift that needs to happen now. Nah, because every time you think of like working at the government, your eyes roll, like, hey, you're very mafan, nah, you go do this, do that, you know, a lot of problems. And, but then if we, are, we the people that know how to do this shit, we don't do it, then we are just essentially letting the entrepreneurs do it. Nah. Right, so so can 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 we work on both sides to be like okay, you know we know how to do this shit. Can the government also make it simpler for us, you know, to work with the agency or work with the grants, you know, simplify those processes, which I think they are doing, although a bit slow. I had a friend yeah, who was so like a funding agent, and she her whole pro like her whole job was to just process fund funding projects for 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 like people who apply to the grants are basically, and then right, she said that because. It was targeted towards creatives and then creatives hate paperwork 
So like they had very low signups to the point where they had to go out and find people to apply and try to convince them to apply for the grants. And then even then, they didn't have a very good take-up rate because everybody's like, huh, people are the one. No, here's, here's, <laughs> the, here's the funny part. Like you, you always see all the people at SWF, all the yeah. NLB government-related art shows and whatnot, right? Those are the same few yeah. people that keep putting in the work to get the grants. That's why they're up yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think, I, I mean, I totally understand because as a creative myself, right, I also hate the people. Right? I go into GBs, I'm like, fuck this UI. What kind of rubbish is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. They, this is the, okay, you know, if the government spent like a few million to upgrade the fucking GBs like whole system, yeah. I wouldn't be mad about it because it's so fucking shit. You just trigger NG. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very triggering. Look at it. So kill somebody. A lot of us creatives, right? We have this, like, we're a bit snob in our own way. La. We look at this, yeah, what the fuck are these people doing? We know how to do better, but we don't want to participate because very much one. Right? <laughs> so, and, and, and that's the part that I think the government needs to step up a little bit more. And I think they, right, in the past, right, it's really just, oh, we set the budget, you also come and apply, law, your tai chi, you apply, apply, you don't apply your problem. Right now, like, these kind of things are like people go out there and then, hey, you know, we have this ground, would you like to apply? Essentially, that is, that is like, we add, we add distribution layer on top. And now, before that, we only have grants, you know, or we have like whatever incentives that we want. But now, the government or the agencies, the different agencies, they also realize, oh, we maybe need to hire a few people at the, on top of this to go and propagate these things and like make it easier for the people that are good at what they do to participate, right? So, so, so this is, I would say, a cultural shift and it's not like one agency doing it only. I see it with other agencies also. Um, so yeah, let's see, let's see how, how that works. And I think for, for us, you know, we try to participate a bit more. Then we crowd out all the entrepreneurs, right? Then the next time government like, hey, this is rubbish. What, what are you doing? You know, like, you must give them new new standards. And I think that's, that's the idea. Because I think you guys got it right. It's always the same few bunch of people doing shit work. So, so basically what you're saying is that, like, the good people should apply for these grants to crowd out, like, all the shit people. Yeah, if we don't, if we just sit around and say like, yo, uh, the grant, very mahuan, which is true, okay, the reality is true. Very tiring to get the grants, you know, then we continue to let the shit work faster. Then we like, yeah, you see all these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's like, come on, nah, you know, can we, can, can we then take it in our strike to go there and, and get the shit done, right? So, so basically, these other people. so basically it's all NG's fault, you know, of course NG don't want to take up the grants. Yeah, <laughs> I, I 100% agree with that, man. Okay, so moving on from so-called like passively, you know, setting the money, putting in grants there. Let's talk mm. about the progressive wage model. Yes. Uh, so the progressive wage is, uh, is as opposed to grants, right? There's a more active approach. They are just simply saying, look, all you companies out there, we know like what kind of staff, what kind of people you have hired within uh, organizations, within your, within your structure, so on and so forth. And these are the people, this group of people, you need to uh, increase their salary. So it's kind of like a very narrow, and not say very narrow, but it's kind of like a selective minimum wage for, um, yeah, for like some targeted group of people. Like, I think it was last year where they were kind of debating this in parliament, yeah. Um, because the WP was like, hey man, we need a <laughs> we need a minimum wage yeah. and then the government was like, hey, here's the progressive yeah. wage credit scheme. So I think the I think the Workers' Party was advocating more of a, like a general minimum wage across the board 
yeah. um, for all Singaporeans. And this is like a step-by-step progress to get there, I yes. guess. Yeah. yeah. So the yes. progressive wage, also for the benefit of our listeners, basically, um, it, let's say in the past, uh, a cleaner would earn maybe say $1,300 a month. Uh, so from last year September, which is impossible to live, right? Yeah, which is impossible to live. Just saying. So just from last year September until now, I think February was the deadline. You have now you have to increase it to something like thousand six or thousand. I can't remember what's the precise because every every uh, job scope have a slightly different wage. minimum wage now, or the LQS are the lowest qualifying salary. Um. So yeah. Maybe Reggie, get your thoughts on this. Then I bet we can also move around the table and see what everybody have to think about this. So I, at first when I saw this progressive wage model, right, in my head it's like, "Wallah, Taman, you're trying very hard, nah. You know, like, so you, you're trying to say like, you know, you're minimum wage, but you're not minimum wage like that. You know, so over time I thought about it. I'm like, okay, quite interesting. You know why? Because when, when we use words like minimum wage, even things like lockdown, right, we are essentially being embroiled. In, in all the international rubbish, right? Whatever other countries are saying or whatever the media propagates, it affects because words do matter depending on what you use. So I think the genius part about progressive wage model is you are essentially a minimum wage, okay? By all measure of it, right? You know, you flip it up and down, left and right, right? It is a minimum wage, you know, but you don't get embroiled in the discussion of minimum wage, which is a very important discussion all over the world today. As to the as to the exact technicalities of like okay is this enough can we do more you know like is this bottom line too low can we raise up can we do faster you know can the government step in blah 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 all those things right can can be engineered to be better and maybe more targeted. It's more log- it's logistical problem rather than a practical problem. Yes, yes, yes. So those logistics or okay or maybe even like why one point six why not two you know why not two point two right those things I think all can be an active discussion that, you know, the people that believe in labor have to push, right, and to push harder, right? So, so I think those are, those are there and, and the, the, the structure is built, you know. I know the people that believe in universality, you know, like universal systems will, will have a different position on this side because universal is very easy, right, to implement. It's very easy. Just say, okay, tomorrow onwards, everybody... 3,000 is a minimum wage, then all goes up. As to how it plays out, it gets very complicated as to how the market plays it out, right? But that's a, that's a different discussion. And at the core, I think what I want to say is that Singapore has a minimum wage, right? In that sense, progressive wage model is a minimum wage as much as, you know, the PAP will refute and then the, even actually even the WP refutes that, P, that progressive wage is a minimum wage because of the technicalities involved, you know? But it is it is essentially the government saying, okay, we have minimum wage. Right. So, Angie, any and thoughts? I don't, I don't disagree with it. Yeah. Angie, any thoughts on P P V? So I think what the one part of the this like employment support thing, right, is that there will be higher government co-funding. So basically like up to two if you're earning up to two point five K a month. Increased from fifty percent to seventy. Oh no, that's the that's the differences in the payout. So if you were earning, let's say last time you were earning like one point three, then now it's one point six, right? So yeah. there's a three hundred dollars difference. The government will pay will pay you the difference. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The, in the wage, so it's not like the not the gross amount, but the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I think I don't know if this is going to be a problem down the line because right now the the government is effectively subsidizing this sort of like wage, right? So 
I think what will happen down the line is that it might stagnate the wages for these people because there is an incentive not to increase it. If you know what I mean. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's, because that's the, kind of the flip side of the even like in other countries where they are talk, when they are debating about minimum wage. So the flip side of the argument is often, well, if there's going to be a minimum wage anyway, then why not I just put it all to the minimum wage? Like there's no room for negotiation. Mm-hmm. Even if you are a slightly better skilled worker, you are you have higher ability than let's say the rest of your peers, I'm still going to just benchmark you at the minimum wage because what's the point of negotiating? Yeah, but in yeah. I think in other countries, the minimum wage is not co-paid by the government, yeah. if well, I'm wrong. Well, we're only being co-paid until 2026 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bridging period, like, essentially. Yeah. So, like, I think, yeah, I don't know if that's, that's going to be a problem. But I think in general for now, like, it's a good thing because people do need more money to, to pay for the things, like, all the inflation stuff. Because right now, we just... Increase one percent, right, for our GST, and then next year there's gonna be another one percent to taking it to nine percent. And I often wish, I think, right, I just wish that they did it all at once because now you, you do one percent, right? My taping is one from one twenty, it went to one fifty. Then the next year, I think it's going to go to like one eighty or something. If you did it all at once, right, at least when it, they go, they increase it. They're not gonna go like one eighty all at once. They are increasing it. By 20% to cope with the 1% increase. Yeah, increase. exactly. So like, there's going to be... Lonely, so, right? I think next year is going to be worse because they're like, it's not a four. It's one more, more purpose percent. Like they have to pay that. Everybody increase their increase. So like, you know, if you did it all at once, or at least we're just going to hit one time, you know? Mm. It's so fucking annoying. All right, Jerry, any thoughts on progressive wage? Don't, I don't think I have anything more to add, like, to be honest. It, it is... It is what it is. And if you raise it up to the level where to, to let them cope with the, uh, the higher expenses now, everything is going to go up as well because, you know, where's the money coming from, right? Like if, if these are the, let's say for example, the cleaners that are attached to town councils, town councils, you know, have to pay more money, they have to get more money somewhere and everything goes Well, up. it also affects private um, companies. La. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I mean, the assumption here is there's more private um, employees as opposed to like public ones and of course the public one must uphold their own policies la. yeah for sure for sure yeah MOM is pretty good at doing that la. I'm just I'm just saying that you know if if you if you get to a point I'm not I'm not against paying people more I'm just saying that we have to be ready for the fact that everything will go up when you know the people who are working at the lowest echelons they get paid more you know, so it's it's gonna end up becoming a kind of equilibrium as well. They get paid more in the event everything goes up, then they end up spending more as well. And here, so 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 for me, yeah, sorry, I just add in one more point because one of my company is a human resource company. I do recruitment, and from last year onwards, upon the announcement, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but it feels like once the progressive wage announcement was made there was a there, there was a movement towards hiring cleaners that were being paid about three thousand dollars and so these three thousand dollar cleaners right i so here i don't know why suddenly it's like this here's my hypothesis so in the past cleaners were the group of people right that functionally they couldn't find jobs anywhere else they are usually maybe elderly they are in debt you know some something along those lines are they maybe they were former bankrupt so and so forth so then they have no choice but to accept 
very low paying jobs in order for them to sustain themselves. Then now that the progressive wage model has been announced, suddenly people are willing to shell out something close to two and a half times what was being paid. So the reason for this, my suspicion is, first of all, they will get younger, more productive workers to replace the people that were occupying these spaces. So the idea here being that if I just get one guy, I pay him $3,000 over dollars, I can re- I can then later swap out three of my older people at thousand six per month each. So then, or something along those lines, uh, maybe every maybe it's a two to three kind of ratio or three to one kind of ratio, whatever it is. So that there seems to be a counter movement to this also where, okay, look, I just pay more, but then now I expect more productivity. And then of course, the, the uh, consequence of it is that the people that were depending on those jobs now might be facing entrenchment, domination, so on and so forth. <laughs> Wait, are we waiting for Reggie to say something? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, I mean, yeah, you cannot expect the capitalists to sit there on, on their... Yeah, the, for sure there'll be adjustments. Yeah. La, yeah. But in, in a way, like, don't you think it's a good thing? Come again? But in a way, don't you think it's a good thing? Because like for the longest time, all, all of these so-called labor sort of work right like blue collar jobs have been looked down upon in singapore for the for the longest time because we always outsource it to like you know migrant workers or you know people with low levels of education but now that you're paying living wage and attracting people who are you know who who maybe not your typical like dishwasher for example to work there i think it's a good thing because you're taking away some of the stigma of working on in these jobs yes yes i mean uh I share that I share that position in a sense of I don't believe in like oh you gotta be kind it's like fuck like if you pay them more people will be kinder yeah I think yeah I think in, especially in, in Asian society our respect is tied to how much money you make unfortunately yeah no no and, and, and it's not just that right it's also about you know if you if you are paid a little bit more you get access to certain spaces that in the past you couldn't yeah you know and Going you, back to HTV again. You have to look a little bit better because you eat a little bit better. You don't need to eat Maggie Me to survive. Mm. You know that. And all these Less medical bills in the Your energy, long term. you got to read books, yeah. you got to go watch movie. You know, you got to do all these things. You get right? to live and in better spaces. Exactly, right? So so all these all these are tied to it. So I'm always very annoyed when, when some of these, like when some of the leaders go around saying we must be gracious. Like, okay, I know we must be gracious. I think that is important. It's a kindness movement. You want to set up a moral imperative to be nice to the people, but pay them more. Nah. Naturally, they will be a little bit better. People will take them more seriously. You know, and then things will shift. Right? So so I, I, I think this is a way forward. But I will question a little bit of are you ready to pay more? Right? So this is essentially quite a capitalist way of thinking on like, should you pay more, right? So I'm not against paying more, to be fair. But why, why can we, why we cannot get the landlord to charge less? Exactly. Why we cannot get a company to exactly. less? Why we cannot, you know? Yeah, essentially. Why cannot why, we why pay the CEO less? Like, yeah, less big why bonuses. Be, why must it be that the consumer must absorb? Because, you know, we, we, we are going to pay the people more. Why can't you earn less? Right? You want, you, it's like, why can't the shareholders earn less? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so, so all these things, you know, these are narratives of like, you got to be ready to pay more, blah, blah, blah. These are very entrenched in capitalist ideas. 
You know, it's like it's always it's always the workers' fault, right? The, the labor always has to has to suck it up. You know, you gotta pay more, or you know, you want wage increase. The wage spiral inflation is the joke. The, to me, that is the biggest joke. Why? Because who determines the price? The business people determine the price. I I I have a little bit more disposable cash. Yes, I have a little bit more demand. Yes, because I got more money, I want to demand certain things. And suddenly, everybody is let out, right? Okay, so yes, we all want to make a little bit. We want to spend a little bit more. But who ultimately determines the price? It's the capitalists. It's the people that make making the they, they make the price decision, right? They just know that there's an increase in inelasticity today, which means people are willing to accept a higher price. Then they charge a higher price, lah. If the consumer will not also go and say, "Hey, can you charge me more?" It will not, right? So who who is causing the inflation? It's not consumer-driven situation. It is the businesses that are setting prices higher because they observe a space to do that. And even I mean, we are small business owners. We also do that, right? When, and I observe that, you know, my clients can pay more, I charge them more, right? It is, it is, it is, it is a structural reality of it. I always find it very cute when people blame blame consumers and blame labor for for this kind of stuff, lah. Yeah. So so that that is that is my my hot take for today. <laughs> you know the rental situation. The rental situation in Singapore is so fucked up right now. And I was just reading this article about like how expats are moving out of Singapore. Like the, uh, I think they interviewed. An expat from Hong Kong, she moved here. And then now she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm paying crazy amounts for my rent every month. Yeah. I have barely enough yeah. money left over after that. And then there were people who, whose rent went up like 100%. Like, you know, going from 600 to 1,002 for just a room in an yes. HDB estate. And then, you know, like these people are like, uh, why am I working so hard in Singapore, paying so much money for rent when maybe I can earn a little bit less elsewhere but also pay a lot less you know it's just insane yeah, yeah and, and I have some I have some expert friends that are telling me that this thing may be slowing down already in a sense that some of these properties because I mean they a lot of Singaporeans will not be actively in the rental market but a lot of experts are periodically in the rental market right so they did say like oh I think this few months specifically a lot of the a lot of the properties that are, that are out there in the market has been out there for a few months unlike before right? when the property is out no matter what price yeah. it just gets snapped up it looks like it's a so, supply and demand the, the X or where the, where the cross yeah. meets so. actually I did yeah. hear about this apparently all my sis- one of my sisters actually is a real estate agent and she helps people rent out and one of her clients refused to rent the, the condo out you know, it's like, oh, the, the condo needs to be at this price because that's the market rate, right? And <laughs> he just refused to, to rent it out. And then he would rather that the condo sits there empty and not get like his, you know, 3000 4000 a month, you know, instead of yeah. asking for 6000 a month. It's like, don't understand. The no, logic. it's like the malls, right? There are malls where they're like so many stalls are empty, right? Because they just refuse to like bring down their rental mm. prices. Because if they do that, right, then the existing tenants will be like, what the fuck? Right, like I'm paying like I don't know, like ten k a month, and then here you are renting it out at five k a month, right? So it's just like a fuck themselves in the ass kind of situation, uh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, essentially, I think I think more of us should question this whole rental, you know, like all these landlords, you know, essentially siphoning. I do argue that a lot of landlords have 
lazy creatures. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> they, are, they are not creating real value yes. in the economy. The rent, 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 just, the rent yeah, seeker rent, type of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So rent seeking activities need to be a little bit more controlled. And I, okay, I'm not against, you know, trying to make some money off rent, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at yeah. some point, it gets absurd, right? I think and there's I think, profit and then there's profiteering lah. Yes, exactly. So this is profiteering, rent seeking already, right? Yeah. So so this is a part that needs to be solved. We cannot just let the market laissez faire the way out of it. Uh, people need to do something about it. Like, and I hope I hope the, the government and ministry can can try to see, you know, how to solve this, right? And and yeah, which is which is underpins the idea of like, are you willing to pay more? You know, it's like why can't they make less? You know, and, and that's the And I think the, the issue is that we have very little like rights for renters in Singapore. Mm. Like even if you sign a contract, right? Like you're not likely going to contest it because of the cost of going to court. So, you know, yeah. if your your if your landlord just wants to throw you out, they can throw you out and you generally have no recourse like, unless you've got lots of money to go into, I don't know, small claims or whatever. Yes, yes. I think the the part here is the part here is I mean understand how we can potentially set up a public you know infrastructure around like recourse and like around essentially we get a small little team of like people that you know willing to work and then do it under the public public spend right you know to to like sue the landlords I understand that part you know but a big part of the idea here is because in the past, right, maybe about a decade ago, a lot of Singaporeans, right, they don't rent. They own the HDB. You know, I mean, you can you can believe whether you are a renter or, or owner. HDB, that is a different discussion. Huh? You know, <laughs> Another they episode. Don't, they, don't go into the, they don't go into the rental market and rent things. You know, they, they essentially buy directly or rent directly from HDB. So this isn't as much of a phenomenon or as much of a problem. You know, But I think in the recent decade, more and more Singaporeans are in the rental market. Mm. Whether is it buying like, whether is it renting cold living spaces in the heart of town or renting small little places outside, you know, while you wait for your BTO, you know, just, just for the, for the reality that you make a little bit more and you want a private space so that you can stay away from the family, you know, so, so there's a lot of all these things and more and more Singaporeans are participating in the rental economy. So at some point, I do think there needs to be some public infrastructure to to sort out this discourse. Because like you said, like, you can write all the contracts, but if you're not going to pursue because of the cost, you know, it's going to get done, right? Absolutely. Okay. So part of, part of all the budget movement and all that, right? I mean, in terms of progressive wage, so on and so forth, there's, there's also another... So those are like, okay, you are here in this segment of society... Then we get the employer to pay you more. Then now there's the, the other segment, which is, okay, you've been here for a while. You know, you've been stuck in this industry, so on and so forth. Let's upskill you. Let's let's upgrade your skill. You know, there's the skills future, WSQ, uh, so on and so forth, right? And there, there seems to be a lot more emphasis in terms of helping workers transition or to find jobs of like either higher value or you know some some or maybe just move sideways to another industry so mm. this this one was part of the notes that i i written for everybody last so we finally got to the notes this, this is by the way this is like part of the course in the long time kiddies i was like nobody cares about the notes until like all the way until the end but uh so the, the question that i have right is that is this is this like a bit too little too late? Are we doing a U-turn given that you know for so long that 
the emphasis has always been, oh yeah, you know, get educational attainment, you know, just do well in school and then you earn a lot of money. You'll be in the same company for like 20, 30 years and then you can get up, you can rely on your CPF. Like, are we witnessing some paradigm shift uh, with within the government? And is it enough? Are they playing catch up? Are they like, are they doing enough or should anything even be done at all? So maybe I'll start with you, like, Reggie. I do think there is a shift, yes. And, you know, okay, so I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as moral awakening. Okay, so <laughs> I don't I don't think like suddenly inside the people believe that, oh yeah, you know, we should take care of labor a bit better or, you know, we should like empower the people. No, I don't think it's a, yep. I, I don't believe that like, one day you suddenly wake up and then there's like a moral awakening. I don't believe in that. Okay, but I believe that this is essentially a response to the ground, you know, where, Things are no longer functioning. Like, I mean, as with, as with anything, right? You set up a system in your company, it works great, no problem. When shit happens, they'll be like, oh, what happened? Can we change? It works until right? it doesn't. So, yeah. yeah, right. So, so people don't reinvent the wheel every day. Like, so, so it is a situation where you are seeing more and more people displaced from the, the work that they used to do. And some of the companies have shifted to other places. We are seeing some sectors shrink. And yeah, more and more people are doing grab, you know, being in a platform economy, which is why now CPF also need to, like platform workers also need to pay for CPF, which is a shift in stance, right? That, you know, in the past, the government believes that it's a transition work. That's why they don't need to pay CPF. Now, in other words, when you pay CPF, it means that they are taking, the platform worker is a thing, right? It is going to be here to stay. There are people that will be career platform workers. But that's a different discussion. Yeah, so, so the idea here is, I think they shifted because there's a need to, and I think, you know, it is, it is better now than never. Like, whether it's late or not, there's really, in my view, there's no real point in, in this guy, other than political points. Like, that means, if you discuss it, you, we were trying to delegitimize essentially, like, oh, you'll never see forward, blah, 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 blah. But as an individual, as a layman, what happens has happened. Now we move forward. I think it is, it is a better way forward. Whether or not you want to, Give your votes to these guys. That is, that is your decision, in my view. But they're definitely better than don't have. How about you guys? What do you think? Well, I mean, I do think that there is a certain segment of the population that needs to catch up, particularly like the lower educated slash older generation. Because right now we can already see a lot of people being left behind with the tech transitions, right? Like for example, Jerry, you know how to open PDF? No? <laughs> I don't know. Shit, oh, I need sure. to go. Yeah, go get a WS. I need to go class. WS two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but too, too late. I'm. I'm not sure. I think it's better to start than not to start. You know, yeah. at some point we have to do it. I mean, okay. To be fair, you can argue that it's too late in the sense that the groundswell is so bad that that now you do it. You know, you can argue from that view that it is too late. I'd rather they do it. Oh shit has happened. Yeah. You know, Maybe, but, but I guess my... Uh, my better, than, better than ever. My view in this is that when I say it's too late, what I'm essentially arguing for is that by the time they start now, right, and then the kind of like people catch on to it, uh, it might become a sunset industry. It might turn out that it's kind of a bit like how in the past, I don't... I don't like, this is an example that I brought up a lot. Uh, the gov- government was like actively encouraging people to become optometrists and then uh, then after that whole thing went bust then after that they also actively encouraged students to go to what was it like 3D design 3D animation 
And that also kind of didn't really go anywhere. We only have like maybe two studios, two or three major studios, and they're hiring like maybe a couple of hundred people as opposed to the thousands that went through these courses and then they end up you know selling insurance and whatever. And I've met a bunch of those people. Yeah. I mean, so the, the fact of the matter is whenever the government try to cost correct, right, they either do the overcorrection or they do the correction now. And then it seems like by the time fruits are supposed to be yielded, then something else comes along, right? The thunder just gets snatched away, like literally. And this, this, is, the, this is a pattern that I've seen repeated over and over again. So maybe like an improvement or upgrade to that would be like teaching people how to learn instead of teaching people a specific skill. Yeah, which is like kind of like part of the, I mean, that would be like the next part of the question, which is, you know, for the education system that we have right now, where we are so focused on grades, at least in the past, like 20, 30 years or, or so. Still, I think. I mean, I mean now they have, they have like tried to change it a little bit lah, to be fair to them. They are transitioning sure. to something called the SBB, the subject-based bending uh, which, by the way, to be like for that particular initiative, uh, nobody knows whether is it going to work out or not. Like they, they have this like very like look good on paper type of theory where students can choose the topics that they are strong in. And, you know, suppose so it's a little bit like a university or college kind of environment where you like kind of like select your modules and your electives. But that aside, the what NG says is correct. Like we have to be we have to be taught how to learn mm. and I don't think that's what the government is doing. They're still kind of like, well, here's a skill. Here's how you fix an aircon. Go and fix an aircon. Uh, here's how you fix an elevator. Go and fix an elevator. Right? And this is my concern when it comes to the government's initiative of like upscaling. I would say, okay, so right now, a lot of like industries, like for example, being a plumber, hot demand. Fixing aircon in hot demand. Okay, yeah. if, if they need to go learn that skill, fucking go learn that skill. You know, because like people are just dying to get all these people. Like, you know, like ever since after the pandemic, you know, like construction costs have gone up. Renovation costs have gone up. And a lot of it is because of labor shortage. And, you know, I would say that if you're a young kid, you have some interest in working with your hands, maybe you could just go pick up like a, like a skill like that, you know. And I, I think these kind of labor intensive skills are probably gonna serve you pretty well uh even up to like what 20 30 years in the future uh, somebody still needs to clear out the toilet la. yeah uh, somebody depend on ai yeah, for that at least not at least not the <laughs> you know my, my my brother's friend is an electrician and he earns a pretty good sum like every month you know because He's so in demand. So he has to like turn away clients. But the other point of it is like teaching kids how to learn. I think we've been just in that educational model where we just fucking shove shit down kids' throats, making them like memorize things and regurgitate on paper for exams. It's very hard to pivot like the educational industry like overnight, you know? So like it's it's a very slow like turning, you know? You're like uh, guiding a really giant truck that's super heavy well, and you're I trying mean, to make a turn. Even if even if the education industry can change, you know, parents may not be the... Uh, yeah, that's the yeah, point so that I was going to bring up. Parents might not want to change also because they are so like tied into the, you know, like my, my child's worth is tied to his educational results. And not only that, is even if you don't put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like the parents also want indication of how their child is doing and grades and tests and all these kind of things is a very easy way for them to get instantly, hey, okay, my child is doing great or my child is not doing great, you know? Yeah, so... You know, I was having this discussion with a friend um, because she's also an educator. And then I was looking at all these like 
sounds really good on paper and as a person who's empathetic and, and quite liberal right i should be in favor of like for example having kids with special needs in the classes mm. and you know like uh, mixing kids of different like learning abilities in the class <laughs> right and then i'm just thinking as an educator right like if you have a class of 20 okay let's what's the classroom size right now 30 about 25 to 25 yeah. 30 kids right you just need one or two kids to be disruptive right before you can't even teach a class mm. Right. And so when you have kids of different learning abilities, let's say I teach ABC and then I need to spend 10 minutes teaching ABC to like 90% of the kids. And I need to spend 30 minutes teaching ABC to, to like, you know, 10% of the kids. Right. Like then effectively you are kind of slowing down the progress of most of the kids. Right. So, mm. and you might also hinder the learning of the kids who have learning difficulty. Right, because you kind of want to progress at a at a rate where you know mm. most people can absorb, right? So I don't know if this is actually a great thing. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as, an, yeah as an educator, like it sounds so good, right, on mm. paper, because a everybody will be like, you know, focus. It's so inclusive, and we want everybody to like mix with different people. I'm like, okay, do that in P class. Though, I don't know. <laughs> I've experienced that firsthand for many many classes, and it's not fun. Yeah, it's, it's really not fun. not fun. So it becomes about classroom management rather than ed like education. And then the other part is also, you know, we are not just competing locally anymore. We are competing like globally. So when you are not teaching your kids, whatever you're teaching, right? Like, so learning how to learn or just, you know, learning math, one plus one equals two. If you're not teaching at a rate that is efficient, right? right, that's going to maximize your students' abilities, then you are actually kind of handicapping your kids, uh, I would say, in a way. Tuition, no? <laughs> We're trying to avoid that. Dude, we're trying to avoid that. Like, tuition, no? <laughs> I think tuition is the worst. Uh, then you WSQ to uh, become a school, a home tutor. Budget 2021. Tuition scheme. Fucking terrible, uh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I think at the core, it is it is still um, a situation where if it's like it's like how a bunch of engineers decide not to be an engineer because they are just not paid properly like an engineer, right? So, so it's the I sometimes I feel like this course of education, right? Is so it's so they they try people try so hard to segregate it from industry. Yes. And when you when you segregate it for industry, then you don't see the the broader problem, right? Like like education is not a miracle pill, right? It has to be led into the industries, and then this whole thing has to has to come together. And and people that are very good with academics, right? They should flourish in academia, right? And even even I think recently, not not too recent, not too long ago, NUS came up with some sort of a, you know if your family is under you know like make how much money and below, now like essentially like a low income family. No, no, your your school fees are, are being discounted or something along those lines. So essentially that is affirmative action, right? Where if you're good at what at this and but your family cannot afford that, okay, let's double down on it. And I think that's the part that sometimes we, we get messed up with 
go down for the for the form, right? Like in the sense of like, oh yeah, everybody is inclusive, but we forget that the reality is getting people to do what they're good at so that they can go out there to maximize, you know, themselves and, and do the most of what they can for their own lives, you know, and by extension means industry policies have to come along and not just to see education on its own, you know. But I do agree, like, there's people who need to learn how to learn and honestly, after working with many people, it's rare. <laughs> do you think it's like an in, innate skill that can be enhanced or is, is it a skill that can be taught? Learning how to learn? Yeah. I think, I don't think it's an innate skill. Okay, so when we track the centers, I think everybody has some things that um, they are a little bit better off. As to why, uh, this one, I don't know, is it genomics or is it the childhood, how they are brought up and, and whatever, there's no clear answer for that. Um, but learning how to learn, I think is something that we can all get elevated. Like the base median line or the baseline can be moved upwards you know but we cannot lie to ourselves that as with any skills out there some people are just better for whatever reason than, than others but the broad line right the, the line uh, needs to be shifted and I think that's the part that can be taught on some level it can be taught and it comes from the whole structure right whether I mean you guys were talking about school you know like whether you ask questions whether you feel comfortable to ask questions you feel comfortable to sound stupid you know and then what, what, how, how do we like restructure learning processes and curriculums and, and all that, right? So those things, I think, are entrenched within the school system and those are important. But we should not yeah, mix it up like, with, with like industry policies that, you know, they, they need to come together. But you can teach people how to learn, I, I believe, yes. I'd rather just throw money at it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's a cost method and we, we know it doesn't work already on so many things yeah, but I'd rather just throw money no, that's, that's just mine so, let's go so, <laughs> then, you, then, you get, then you get weird entrepreneurs trying to teach people how to learn okay oh, no. 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 John, no we can do the pain spike oh no <laughs> inside joke inside joke inside joke okay alright um, we are reaching very close to the two hour mark of the live stream Maybe we kind of just like wrap up with some thoughts and opinions as to like how how we would like to see 2024 shape up or what what would you like to see particularly change in, in this 2023 budget, so on and so forth. Jerry, you had the least time so far. I'm going to hand it over to you first. Yeah, just some final thoughts, some final notes. Mm, honestly, it's... Like that all every year you see the new budget come out, you're like you have a lot of comments, you have a lot of thoughts, but what's gonna change? Oh my god. What's gonna change? You know, it's it's, it's almost like forget the fuck out. Look, bro, of course we are doing this for entertainment, bro. All this is purely for entertainment purposes. Okay? We're just here it, to entertain our, our Exactly. Our I'm, I'm just telling you my honest opinion. I like, look already as a Ah, this thing, motherfucker, you. Jesus. You know, it's, it's like it's like you know. I think several yeah, years ago, you're like the copy diam uncle, man. Like, I, I am a copy diam uncle. That's true. Right, the literal copy diam uncle. Right? Yeah. Okay, look. We're here to provide the copy diam uncle. Opinion. Remember a few years ago, we we're just talk, we we're talking about hey how how they kick the can down the road so that the next generation of prime minister is gonna solve it. So yeah. it it feels like. He hasn't he hasn't even gone to on to become a prime minister. He's already kicking the can down the road. So, yeah, well, uh, we do best kicking cans, throw money and kick cans down the road. Yeah. All right, Angie, any final thoughts? I think what I would like to see more of is actually investment into like our medical infrastructure. I think currently we are spending like so little money compared to other first world countries. And then 
as the years go on and our population ages, there are going to be more and more people who will need all these medical services. I'm not sure if we are able to provide enough medical services at the rate that we are spending. Okay, can I chip in and say this? They, they already got Nutri-Grade. They don't need medical services. <laughs> what? That's the, that's the, how much sugar, you know, they, they, they rank it from A to D. Oh. So, so they are coming up with all this uh, initiative to keep you healthy. By so the way, uh, this Nutri-Grade thing is like complete nonsense. Uh. There was this lady at the gas station. She was trying to push like this coffee drink to me, which by the way, costs like $6. Like, one drink, yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, the Nutri-Grade on it is B. Then it says no added sugar. Then I take a look at nutrition. It's like, what, 12 grams of sugar per serving or something like that. And then just like, what are we even talking about here? Like, okay, there's no sugar. You don't add the sugar into the drink, but then, you know, there's like sugar from the milk, there's sugar from this, from that, from different components. Then, okay. anyway, I can go on and on about this nonsense. Okay, anyways, yeah. I, I was saying that, like, I think we can do, actively do a lot more to, to exam for example, just to lower medical costs. Mm -hmm. So, for example... You know, in Singapore, I don't think we use generic drugs a lot. So uh, the cost of buying drugs here in Singapore, I mean, like prescription drugs, okay? Not like heroin drugs, all right? <laughs> it's actually very high. So a lot of my friends and then like people that I know, what they do, they go over the causeway and then they buy their generics over there or mm -hmm. they go to Thailand and buy a bunch of <laughs> drugs and bring it back home. So I think... Consumables. <laughs> yeah, consumables. <laughs> edibles. Edibles, edibles. And then... Also. And then, so, so like, why are we making our citizens go all the way all mm. there to buy things that they should be able to buy here, right? Yeah. Like, so I think the, these are like just things that the government can do. Like, for example, just allowing these sorts of generics in so that people can spend less money on bills or even less time going to other countries to buy these things, right? So I, there are lots of things I think they can do actively without spending a lot of money to bring down the cost of healthcare. And of course, I think they should also pump in money. But this is my biggest concern. Of course, HDB is the other one. But never mind that. That one is a lost cause. Really. We have, we have like, like 12 episodes on HDB. Yeah. All right, Reggie. Chief, finance, Chief Financial Coconut, please. Tell um, me your thoughts. Okay, so, yeah, so, so I, think, I think there is a structural shift that is happening. You know, I mean, I mean, in the recent budget discussion, you see so many PAP MPs stand up and try to protect capital, right? Talk about like, you don't know, rate our we, reserves. We, we, cannot, we want SMEs to thrive, uh, all that, uh, blah, blah, blah. Are we pro redistribution and no pro growth anymore? It's like, I uh, stop this kind of stuff. Lah, okay, the, the idea is we all want to live a slightly better life, you know, and I think a lot of the labor stuff have, has been uh, put on the back benches for a while, lah, right? So you you do see in the, in the recent two budgets, especially, Shift towards taxing wealth, right? Or you know, whether is it increase in property tax? There's a new increase in BSD, like by buyer stamp duty this round for properties at one point five million dollars at birth, which essentially means we're targeting investment property, right? Yep. There's an increase in uh, last last budget. There was an increase in the tax for non owner occupier property, which also means we're we're taxing you know investment property, and the supercar tax, you know. Even I would, I would even argue GST, you know, it's not as regressive as how it's being marketed, you know, in the sense that yes, inherently on its own, it is regressive, but tax and spend is the idea. The middle class is the one that I'm concerned, not so much the poor in the whole like GST increment structure, which is where we are, the middle class, right? Are we paying more than what we need to? That's the part. But the overall shift is there. You are seeing more 
taxes on wealth and taxes on like the rich, you know, you're seeing that like, happening and then more spending, you know, on essentially social services. Whether we can spend better, I think there's a big part to discuss. There's usually they don't talk about how they're going to spend it. It's just like all oh, these headline budget, that budget. And then there's no clear like execution. How do we review some of those things? That what we can do better. And at least at the start, uh, la, normally they will review it once the program rolls out, then they'll publish it yes, in the newspaper yes, yes. and say... Yes, so, exactly. So that one, we have to let it play out first. Right? So this is just for now. But the idea is there. You are seeing a shift in stance, you know. And I, like I said, I don't believe it's a moral awakening. I think it's a, it's a political imperative. They have to do it. If not, they're going to lose out. Right? So... Yeah, which I don't, which I don't hate, you know, as much as I say all that. I think, I think it is, it is good. Uh, finally, uh, labor has a little bit more, you know, you know, more rights. So in that sense, of course, uh, we don't start on labor rights. Uh, that one would be another two season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do think there's a shift in stance. As much as people can go on and on and say, you know, things are not changing, but you, if you really follow how the budgets have shifted over time and how the tax structures has been shifted, there is a shift in stance. Taxing the rich and distributing more, you know, yeah, it is a change. I just think that if, let's say, we... I, d- I don't know, like, can we um, streamline things to the point where, okay, like, we we have a little bit less waste, wasteful spending and then that we tax a little bit less. Because I think for them, things like, even... Uh, increment in the, was it the A A R the additional tax for the for the cars and all that and so GST all these kind of things right like it imposes upon everybody and then so the, the, the adage always goes right it's like the government takes one whole chicken from you then gives you back one chicken wing it's like can we can we negotiate for how about I give you half a chicken and you give me one wing, one drum, you know, something like that. Like that's the <laughs> So that that's that that would be like my standpoint. Like it's more of like a libertarian kind of like viewpoint. But um generally I just feel like whenever we overtax it's just like super wasteful and uh there definitely should be more 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 thought uh, more more oversight on, on government spending and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's for the for budget twenty twenty three, Reggie. I'm gonna get you to plug your stuff, plug your podcast. If you have a website, any like social media, please do shout out on, on this channel. Yeah. yeah. Great, thank you. So follow me on the Financial Coconut Podcast. We have like we have a piece of content that goes out every day. It's multiple shows running on the same feed. Our YouTube channel. Every, TikTok, you know, it's it's all on it's all at the financial coconut, right? So I think TikTok we are quite viral in this few weeks. Yeah. We we had a few clips that went viral. So please check out our TikTok, hopefully to grow that and then we can sell to the sponsors. <laughs> Capitalistic. Yes. I need you to teach me right how to prevent my, my co-host from accepting sponsorships without my knowledge. They're just like they're just like shilling ayataka and then just like you know oh yeah buy this this cream pass that you know they're so tasty. Hey, I didn't I didn't shill for this eh. This was from where Tondon Donkey, right? I didn't say anything. See see see. Okay, okay. Tondon Donkey, please like well, sponsor us. Alright, we already did the advertisement for you, so like give us some money. Okay. Can we do like a preempt kind of advertisement? Then like not on their doors. Excuse me, we we advertise first, then we ask for money. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. Then they actually like that. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, me. thank you, thank you for joining us, Reggie.
Thanks for coming on. You can feel free to stay, uh, but we are going to touch a little bit more about uh, some administrative stuff. Lah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think I will I will make a move. You'll make a move? Okay. Alright. Thank you so Thank much, you. Reggie. Thanks, Thank Reggie. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. And that was Reggie from the Financial Coconuts. Awesome Great guy. sauce. Yeah, that was that was a was fantastic. Fun. Yeah, we got guests who knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say as well. Like this guy, holy shit, it's just a wealth of knowledge, right? And just, just like, oh, CPF is a colo- like colonial vestige. Like, what? Like, what, what, what the what, fuck? What? Whoa, it's hold on. Me. <laughs> we actually learned something today. Yeah. You know, like that's... that's. We're learning how to learn, guys. Yeah, right? nice. We're learning that's how really to nice. learn. Uh, learning it from the best. So what's the what's our takeaway? We should invite more smart people on it. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Definitely people smarter than us. And, yeah. Uh, which is not a high threshold across yeah uh, our bar is actually very low yeah, now so please um <laughs> mostly dragged out by then <laughs> <laughs> he dragged out he's not here today he dragged out our median iq <laughs> our median just rose significantly <laughs> without them by three standard deviations <laughs> thanks not for not coming on that long today <laughs> we sound reasonably intelligent right yes for this episode okay so that'll be the budget episode right now we're gonna start we're gonna, i'm gonna talk a little bit about the Valentine Valentine's Day quiz that we had. Before you do that, right? Can yes. I just make a confession? What's that? I was supposed to post our live stream right onto the Longkang Kitty's Instagram mm-hmm. to let people know that this was happening. Mm. Then I accidentally posted it to my own account. So I guess that's why we have nobody like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Well. All right. This is the state of the Longkang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be yours. Should. Y'all should know all this by now. Sorry. Okay, they can watch the later, Grant. You can. Yeah, yeah. Get you what you think. The oh. podcast later, yeah. whatever. Yep. Okay. No no big deal, Angie. That's fine. Even if you posted, we would have gotten the extra three people. I'm sorry to those three people who have who would have watched it had Angie posted. Okay. Sorry. So, uh, the winner of the Valentine's Day quiz, which was organ, uh, Proposed and organized by our wonderful Longkang Kitty Discord moderator, Natalie. Thank you so much, Natalie, for organizing everything and coming up with the questions. I don't even know the answer to some of these questions. Yeah, man, yeah. I was looking at it. I was, like, oh. I was like, fuck, man, I am the, I am like the person front and center to everything. I gave up after a second. I don't even know. I vaguely remember talking about this, but I don't remember what's the answer. Yeah, it's like, holy shit. I would have failed this fucking... Are we reviewing all the questions and answers? Can we, can we review okay. the questions, let me, actually? Okay, so let me announce the winner. The winner is Unsing, who get who score a perfect 10 out of 10. Holy, Holy shit. shit. This guy is the law of people, okay? You are epic. Okay. You are even better than... You are better at the Longkang Kitties than the Longkang Kitties. Yeah, basically, yes. Congratulations. Okay, so actually <laughs> we... And thankfully, Natalie, with her infinite foresight knowing that there might be ties, set in tiebreaker question, which was, you're at the Kopitiam with one of the Longkang Kiddies and you're in charge of getting drinks. Which oh Longkang Kiddy are you with and which drink will you be getting for him <gasps> or her and why? Wow! Ensign, even without scoring 10 out of 10, definitely has the best fucking answer to what this tiebreaker. So, here's, I'm going to read it out. He says, he's going to say with Jerry, even though his favorite Longkang Kiddy is Spencer... <laughs> okay. he once he said I once heard ginger has analgistic properties oh yeah, yeah. like pain stopping yeah, properties pain stopping. Mm. 
and has the potential to meditate. Meditate. He spelled yes. it as meditate, stomach <laughs> upsetness, and promote digestion. Yes. To what? test this hypothesis, I will get Jerry to drink one cup of evaporated milk and another cup of ginger tea purely as a scientific experiment. Okay. Can I mix it? For the betterment of Ew. mankind. Ginger milk tea. So he managed to squeeze in all the jokes at once and we have a good way of improving humankind at the expense of Jerry, mm. which is I am all for it. This is the this is this is the way wow. to go. Can we give him like extra something something? Because this this answer just blew it out. It blew it out, yeah. The Every, universe. Yes, you know, like absolutely. out of the Long Gone Kitty universe. This is epic. Okay. Um Angie, is your favorite drink Milo Dinosaur with two shots of Kopio Kosong? I would have to say I've never had that, but if I actually drank it, I might have Intensive diarrhea. Yeah, you you might you might hear colors and immune. synesthesia. Yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. Then after that, I need to try the ginger drink. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then Angie also in another. But by the way, both of you only the both of you were selected for drink oh, drinks. Okay. So nice. But so, wait, wait, what kind of drinks were? Yeah. So Jerry, the the third one, I believe this is Lydia. Is that Yakult for improved gut health? <laughs> No, Yako has so much sugar. <laughs> and then uh, for the last one, Angie, almost cook because I want to see her uncomfortable with the sugar level. I don't think you are uncomfortable with- I actually don't drink Coke. Yeah, I think that would make me very squirmy. Oh, who, that- who, who, who did this? I'll tell you later. Okay. okay. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Unsing, congratulations. You are the winner. Thank you for also joining the Discord chat on the night that you joined for me to shit all over your industry. <laughs> so the winner of this one will be I'll contact the fella they will they will let us know which of the Longkang Kitty artwork uh, that we have posted is their favourite awesome. and then we will sign it and mail it to him awesome him or her in this case him so congratulations thank you very much for participating oh keep an eye out for future such contest quizzes competitions so on and so forth can I just say that it makes me so like warm inside that someone actually listened to us so intensively yeah. and us so well like I'm just so happy to know okay so let's go through some of the questions right is this where we answer and then get it wrong yes correct <laughs> so how old will the Longkang Kiddies podcast be in oh, 2023 2023 this year Seven. six Five. <laughs> <laughs> really? I thought we were five last year. Yeah, I thought we were five wait, last year. Huh? I thought we were six last year. Hey, wait, okay, never mind. Okay. Like I said, it depends on how you decide when. Like from the first episode, is from it? From the first episode or from the time that NJ and I spoke. So it depends on when. Okay, you... if we count like first episode, then how? It's five years. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Did we start so when we, first, when we first spoke, it's six, right? 20s, yeah, when we first spoke, it's 2016. Yeah. But okay, no, I thought it was from our first episode. But anyways, all right. Which Longgang Kitty ate an extra portion of Hako? Oh, all yeah, three of you. Uh. Yeah. All three of us, yeah. Except me. <laughs> I still have some. Okay. Ajuma review livestream episode. Why does Superior John feel that Golden Horse Awards are currently a great opportunity for regional Chinese films like Ajuma to shine? Oh, no. <laughs> the other options. The lack of participation from mainland Chinese film due to COVID-19 restrictions. The lack of participation from mainland China due to political restrictions. An influx of regional Chinese films due to COVID-19 pandemic. Greater recognition of Asian filmmaking as a whole in the global film industry. B. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, a? It should be B. It should be B. 
But I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know. You that. don't know the answer? Oh, shit. Wait, they have an answer sheet or something. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those times, right, where somewhere deep into the live stream, my mouse will disappear and I can't fucking fit. <laughs> I can only scroll up and down. Okay, okay, yeah. fine, fine. Okay. So, uh, the next question. Episode 102. The LKK spoke about Vogue Singapore having their permit revoked for promoting alternative lifestyles and undermining family values. What is the world that Dan Cat wants to live in when it comes to traditional family values? <laughs> oh, I remember this one. I remember this one. A world where aunties and uncles eat chai fan in BDSM gear. A world where he can join the Eye of Shamugam. A world where monkey mojo is real. A world where he wins the knife fight with NG Cat. A. Yeah. But I would say his deepest, darkest desire is probably D. Yes. yes. Someone put D. <laughs> I believe that's that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kelly Kimberly Chong live stream episode. Which MMA fighter swept oh. Kelly Kimberly Chong off her feet as a martial artist as a, at a martial arts workshop before? Demetrius Johnson, Johnson, uh, Rod Tang, Jimmy Rawat, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, Rod Tang. Don't beat me up. Emery Tate, Emery Andrew Tate the third, or Kate Rutolo. I think it's, it's Rod Tang, right? Yeah, it's yeah, Rod Tang. Okay, which of these reasons are not why there are so many vending machines in Japan according to Danny's search term? So this is the Asian Podcast Festival live episode. Is it convenience, an influx of foreign labor, land scarcity, or low crime rate? Two. Yeah, if you get this wrong, I'm going to like smack the shit out of you. I'm going to smack you tomorrow. But yes, influx of foreign labor is not the reason. Okay. Episode 103. Which content creator enrolled in Andrew Tate's Hustler University? Coffeezilla, PewDiePie, Lex Friedman, Bobby Lee. E. I remember. <laughs> I really remember. Okay, oh, it, very it is, it is yeah. Coffeezilla. Okay, live stream with Imran episode. Which of the following is LKK? Which of the following is LKK guest Muhammad Imran Muhammad type? Not affiliated to. Or which of the following? Okay, which of the following is the guest Muhammad Imran not affiliated to? Center for Interfaith Understanding Sifu, Hash Peace, My Jews Ugama Islam, Singapore Muis. Or Roses of Peace? Movies. He wasn't? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't he, remember. She's not in, she's not okay. affiliated with okay. movies. Yeah. Okay. Episode 101. According to Jerry Katz lecturer, these steps are these are the steps to assessing a piece of information objectively, select all the correct steps. This one is like a multiple choice. Uh. Not multiple, you have you can select multiple options. Mm. Look at a piece of information. Understand your emotions and biases. Bring your emotion back if you are making an argument. Summarize your stance. You better remember this. Huh? I don't remember this. Eh? No, that's four options, right? Yeah. No, you can select up to four. Again, again. <laughs> Look at a piece of information. Mm -hmm. Understand your emotion and biases. Mm -hmm. Bring your emotion back if you are making an argument. Summarize your stance. Not the last one. Isn't it all four? I think Is it's it? not the last one also. Yeah, not the yeah. last one. But this one also can't be like certain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was the subject of Dan Cat's... Okay, this is episode 102. What was the cat, subject of Dan Cat's magical moment at the end of the episode? Adoption by gay couple. 
Malaysian only fan creator Siu Pui'i, filial cannibalism, or Vogue magazine having their permit revoked. What? Angie <laughs> <laughs> is just like staring at me. Uh. Say that again. <laughs> My brain just went somewhere. The subject of Dan Cat's magical moment at the end of episode 102. Is that the Vogue episode? I don't even know which episode. Okay, fine. Yeah, I don't know what episode. <laughs> Adoption by gay couple. Malaysian OnlyFans creator Siu Pui. Filial cannibalism. Vogue magazine having their permit revoked. I think it's a third Probably one. Probably yeah, the cannibalism. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> okay, so that's the 10 questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Holy shit. They didn't do so badly, yeah. but not all 10. Wow. Yeah. Great job to the person who... Great yeah, job. Great job, Unsing. Great job, Unsing. And once again, thank you very much, Natalie, for coming up with all these questions, proposing it to us or to me. Then I, okay, yes, please go ahead. And helping organize and helping to collate the results. Natalie, you're the best. Best model. Don't ever go anywhere, please. Stay with us. Stay with us. <laughs> Otherwise, the Long Kong will be a lot more like fucked up than it actually is. Yeah. No doubt. Because no we're doubt. all like fucking lazy pieces of shit. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. So with that, I we shall call an end to this episode. Oh, uh, thank you for you two for joining us today. And then um Yep. Are we gonna have like some fancy fade out music no, no, no. shit for our live stream? No, none of that. No, we, yet. we're not okay, bye. No, we are not like we not are, fancy. We are not fancy, we are just like pieces of shit. Literally. Okay, right, alright. So and you make a face and then after that we will stop the stream. What kind of face is that? You kick side or what? Kick side, yeah. You just said it made a face. Like what kind okay. of face do you want to kick side make? face also? Okay. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Five, four, three, two, one, and